Hello and welcome to Jerry 2's video game podcast. My name is Joe and I'm also joined by... Material Min. <laughs> you, you had to think about that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm joined by Material Min and today we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 7. But before we get started, if you're a new listener, you are very welcome. Um, this podcast belongs to our ugly black cat Jerry 2, who you may see in the thumbnail. He loves video games, so every episode, myself and Materia Min. You can say Minteria if it's just Myself it's and Minteria, you thought of that now, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> myself I tried and, to play it all. Myself and Minteria, uh, very smooth. Uh, we discuss a video game that we've played, uh, we talk about it, have a sort of rambly, unfocused chat about it, and then at the end of the podcast, the most important bit is that Jerry 2 gives his final judgement, and really that's what it's all about. So we're like the fluff... We're like the, uh, the, the 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 starting act for a band, and Jerry 2 is the main event, okay? So stay tuned to the rest of the podcast. I, if you know what, I completely understand, and I imagine a lot of people do this. Just skip to the end and just hear Jerry 2's opinion, because that's know, what it's all about. You start time, uh, time Yeah, I'll put a timestamp of when Jerry 2 gives his opinion, because I know that I'm not so arrogant to think that anyone's here to listen to us. I mean, we're just here as, like, like I said, a fluffer. Jerry 2 is the main event. But, you know, we're here. We might as well do our bit. So we're going to talk about... Final Fantasy VII, the original Final Fantasy VII, which we we which we played on an Xbox Series S on Game Pass. We've also played it on a PS4 as well. But um, before we get started, Minteria, what is your oh. experience, your relationship, <laughs> your deep love for Final Fantasy VII? Can you go into some detail on that? Yes, and just to warn you, it's going to be a gushy one. Yes, I it's going to be a gush both. fest. Get your umbrellas. Get your get umbrellas. Your We're going to be gushing. Gushing all uh, of you. Like gushers. Do we have gushers in this country? What, what is that? It's like a jelly sweet with gushy stuff inside. No, no, I was thinking of something else. Go on, carry on. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so I played it first before you yeah. when I was a wee little baba. Um, I say baba, but I was probably like teenage. How old? Like you got like 10, 11, 12? Probably 13. 10. I think the first time I was exposed to it was maybe 9, 10. Yeah. Um, because uh, before I had access to my own console, I used to sit and watch my brother playing games yeah. for the longest time. I was perfectly happy doing that and I watched him play it the first time around and fell absolutely in love with it and then uh, when he handed down the PS2 to me I then played FF7 myself absolutely loved it I don't think I appreciated it quite as much as I do right now just because when you're younger you don't really understand what's going on as much yeah and you don't really realise what deep um, convoluted storylines are going on but I still loved it I loved Cloud I think I had a crush on Cloud. I think yeah. I had a crush on Sephiroth. Well, any, basically, anyone with bows. Yes, Sid. Bugenhagen. Yeah, well, well <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have bows. He's just a round ball Oh, yeah. Or Joe. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the guy called? Uh, Parker, is it? No, the, the the fat one that is launching the rocket. I can't remember his name. Do you know what I mean? Oh, um, Palmer. Palmer, yeah. You had a crush on Palmer. Okay, you know what? I retract what I said. But no, I absolutely love those characters and um, it then spurred me on to play like other FS like 8 and, yeah. and 4 and and then all the other co- game se- um, game in the FF7 series. Yeah, the compilation. As, um, compilation, that's the word. Such as Crisis Core, blah, blah, blah. And I loved it and it's probably one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, and then I obviously played it multiple times after on different platforms like PSP and your phone and I think it was re-released on PS4. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so I think it is... I'm not going to put this in the title because I was considering putting the title as like Final Fantasy VII Remastered but I thought that might 
a bit misleading no, because it is technically remastered in that it's I think it's HD it's, it's um, but it's really game. just a port you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's pretty much the same game you played on PS4 with a few minor differences that we'll get to but what was your well so my experience of it like experience. the first I, th- I said this before but the first Final Fantasy I played probably, and I was thinking about this probably the first and you know no actually definitely the first JRPG I ever played was Final Fantasy X uh, which you know started an absolute fascination with with the genre. You this know. is you know just side point before you finish. Um, we also have a friend who likes Final Fantasy. Yes. Um, and she, her favorite is twelve, and it yeah. just seems like everyone's favorite is like the one that they. Absolutely, I, I think I said this. Yeah, absolutely, because she uh, absolutely loves twelve and obsessed with it. We have honestly tried twelve a couple of times and never really managed Both to get into it. Joint and Separately. alone. I've yeah. just we will try. I think we will play it eventually, but every time we played it, we've kind of like gone eh. But she absolutely loves it. I think it's because, like you say, it's like whichever one you play first is yeah. the one that you get hooked on. But I played Final Fantasy X first and absolutely loved it. And then at some point, a few years afterwards, I saw Final Fantasy VII in a charity shop. Right? Uh, I don't know. Do they have they call them Goodwill in America? Do they? I don't know. Like Goodwills and um, Oxfam's and things like that. Oxfam is ours. Is that, is that, basically yeah. a charity shop. Yeah. So you know, like a secondhand store kind of thing. I saw it in there for like a pound. I was like, oh, Final Fantasy, I've Pound, never played that. by the way, that is a mega bargain. Yeah, it was on, well, you wait, wait until you finish, I finish the story. <laughs> so I bought it for like a pound or a pound fifty or something like that. And I was like, oh, a Final Fantasy game. I started it and I was like, oh, this is ugly. Um, because it is ugly, you know, that's something to acknowledge. And I think I got about halfway through disc one and, and it crashed and it turned out the disc was pretty much Because unusable. PS1 discs were notoriously, like if you just cough on them in, yes. in the wrong direction or you just look at the disc a little bit too long, it will scratch. I don't think I even got out of Midgar before it crashed. I think, if I remember correctly, it crashed not long after you meet Eris for the first time. That's heartbreaking. And uh, it crashed and I couldn't get the disc to work. I took it to the, I don't know if you remember. Disc cleaners. Yeah, but you yeah. could go to like a video game shop and ask them to clean your disc for you. I took it there, tried it again, wouldn't work and that, and I just never played it again. And I do remember, you know, growing up and people would always say to me, you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, what are you playing at? And then when I started to get into video games more and I started to listen to podcasts and things like that and YouTube, people were always talking about it. But I always just kind of went, eh. And then about, what, three years ago maybe, mm-hmm. we played it together. And again, I thought it was like, okay, you know, I liked it. But the way we were playing it was probably not great because no. at the time, listener, to give you a little bit of insight, we were playing it like very late at night over yes. SharePlay. Uh, you know, which is the PlayStation's feature where you can um, stream a game to someone else's console and play it together. I think I was controlling it and you were watching it, but we were playing it at like four in the morning. And but in mind, we were working full time. Working well. full time and falling asleep. And I, honestly, I don't really even remember it. And I think that I sleep sleepwalked through the final boss. <laughs> like I beat it. Yeah. But I think it was like I had no memory of any of it. So yeah. playing it again this time, we've just finished it, listener, about two days ago. I do Play- remember you were so sleepy, you'd ask a question and be like, We've just done that. Yeah. And then it would be the same for me, like I'd I'd kinda of zone out and then wake up and we'd be somewhere else. But it yeah. wasn't because it was boring. It was just We were very tired, yeah. yeah. So so playing it again this time, it really was like playing it for the first time again. Like I I, de- I wanted to give it a go because listener, we played FF seven remake the day it came out. In fact we got it about a week early. We got it, it yeah. bang on a week early. Yeah, because if you if you remember when Final Fantasy Seven remake first came out on PS4 it was slap bang during the coronavirus pandemic, like right at the start. And Square Enix, I think they said, well, in order to make sure that everyone gets it on time, we are going to release some games early. We just ask people not to share it. Which is very nice of them. And because 
because obviously Minnie's such a, a wee bit of Final Fantasy fan, we we got it. We booked a week off work <laughs> and we just played it for like four or five days straight, like eight hours a day until we finished it. And I really enjoyed it. And I was thinking like, you know what? I don't feel like I, I actually understand a lot of the content and I don't feel like we appreciate it. So then, listener, recently you may have seen that there was a lot of Final Fantasy VII news and uh, particularly... Um, there was, you know, the announcement of uh, the Integrate update for Final Fantasy VII Remake and the Yuffie <laughs> DLC, and also the um, the Ever Crisis, which is like where they're going to remake the entire compilation so on mobile phones. And we saw that, and we both got so buzzed by it, we were like, you know, fuck it, let's play Final Fantasy VII again. Yeah. And then we played it, and it was absolutely fucking amazing. And I kind of realise now what I've been missing out on, and I realise now why people were always telling me to play it, because it is fucking amazing. And that, that's what we're going to get into today. Yeah. Uh, so nine minutes for an introduction to that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was going to be a gushy one. Yeah. So Final Fantasy Seven uh, came out in 1996. 97. 97. Six, seven. Yeah, it was. I think six in Japan. Oh. Um, it is a you know obviously it's JRPG. It's in the Final Fantasy series. And one thing that I think I I noticed when I played it for the first time was that obviously I hadn't played any of the older Final Fantasies at that point. But now that I have, especially, it's like a much different tone in the, you know, it's obviously sci-fi. Like, the older Final Fantasies, like, we've reviewed Final Fantasy IV on this podcast. Go back and check that out. Love it. Is, you know, um, very much sort of swords and sorcery, you know, uh, kings and crystals and all that kind of stuff. Very much medieval. I know they've got airships, but, you know. Whereas this game is very much, like, grungy, sci-fi. Industrial. Industrial, yeah. yeah. And I think it put me off when I first played it, because Final Fantasy X is not like that. It's really colourful and bright and... But yeah, um, so the world. So you you start the game. You are Cloud, okay? Who is a spiky head boy? Um, who you know what? Actually, one thing that I thought, and I'm, I don't want to start off on a negative, but like at the start of the game, Cloud is very much like, oh, I'm a mercenary. You know, I'm, I'm I don't care about anything. I'm just doing it for work. But then for the rest of the game, is not like that at all. Like I don't know what changes. You know. I think because. Um He's having issues with remembering stuff, isn't he? And it's a bit sort of um, mixy. Yeah, because that's a, a big part of the storyline yeah. is that no one remembers anything. So he is a member of uh, Soldier, or he was a former member of Soldier. Soldier is not the name of a person, but it's like the name of an organisation yeah. that works for a company called Shinra, who are a sort of big, evil, multinational like, corporation that are draining the planet of resources. Yeah, and he in the in the first part of the game he introduces himself as being first class soldier, which is like the highest, the highest rank. rank that you could um like the elite of of uh, of those the soldiers that they the hire. Yeah. And I think he's like what sixteen, something like that. Yeah, which point. you know what? It's it's again it's one of those things in Final Fantasy games. It's like why like it was the same in Final Fantasy VIII, which we have also reviewed the podcast. Go back mm-hmm. and listen. Uh, where it's like, why, uh, why are seventeen-year-olds at the top of the tree? Like, why are seventeen-year-olds like? I mean, in today's world, a seventeen-year-old hasn't even finished school yet. Legally, in this country, you haven't finished education. No, yeah, exactly. Same in America, and it's like, yeah, in Final Fantasy world, a seventeen-year-old has got to the highest rank of soldier. It's ridiculous, but. Uh, so yeah, Shinra are like an evil corporation that's sucking the planet dry of resources. And I remember when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, there was a lot of talk about how modern the story was yeah. because it could be written today. And I think I agree with that in that, you know, you think about the idea of like, you know, a corporation that's greedily sucking up resources from the planet that's not sustainable. The and planet- doing it in a way that's sort of um, haphazard and that it doesn't think about the long-term effects. Yeah, they don't really care about yeah. the individuals on the ground. 
you know, and you, but, but what's really interesting is it's not so black and white as that because mm-hmm. at the start of the game, Cloud is a mercenary who's been hired to work for a group called Avalanche, which are a, a group of eco terrorists. Yeah, they are. Rules uh, by a guy called Barrett, uh, who was based on Mr. T. You know, he looks like Mr. T and he's very sort of like loud and brash and he's like the leader of Avalanche. Um, and the start of the game is you guys blowing up a Mako reactor. Uh, I always said Mako. Uh, because I've never heard it said, but every time I said it, you were like, Mako! It's Mako! Amer- I, f- I feel like Americans say Mako. Uh, but as a child, I always read it as Mako. Well, and I in, feel like... in the remake, it was confirmed that they said Mako, don't they? They don't say Mako. Yeah, because I just thought it's a Japanese game, that's the way they'd say it, so it probably yeah. is. You know, and I know you're a weep, so you'd want to... I'm not a weep, you'd I'm just, stay with that. I just don't like the way Mako sounds too. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, so the first mission in the game is blowing up a reactor that potentially kills... You know I mean, what? Even people. as a child, and my opinion hasn't changed. Yeah. I always hated Avalanche. Yeah. I genuinely did because it's like it reminds me of those people who, on the surface, look good, but what are their ulterior motives? It's like, do you, do you just want to do it for the sake of looking good, or do you genuinely think what you're going to do is going to help? Because surely blowing up a macro reactor, you should have known that it's going to kill. Or at least have weird, like really bad um, repercussions for the people living on the ground. And you've taken these three people have taken that decision on behalf of everyone living around that macro uh, reactor to yes. blow it up because they think it's worth it. But it's like, who the fuck are you to do that? Well, again, it's that it's any any terrorist, isn't it? Yeah. It's like uh, the idea that the ends justify the means. Yeah. It's like even though you are directly harming and causing misery to lots of people, um, it's fine because Shinra are evil. And the planet is dying, so you know what? It's fine to do that. And you know what? That could be from today's headlines. You know I mean, I, it, I love grey areas because yeah. it's like from Shinra's point of view, they're a corporation. They make money, which is absolutely fine. But you're also providing power to people. You're providing a better life, yeah. a better life quality. You've got all this machinery and electricity and energy that you can use to live in a modern society. Without that, without a mod- uh, a macro reactor, what would they have? I mean, it's like. Um, what, I can't remember what they're called now. What's the uh, organisation today who like glued themselves to trucks and things? Ex- Extinction Rebellion. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. It's like, you know, obviously I'm not saying that they're like terrorists. They don't go that far. But I wouldn't be surprised if one day it went that far. Like if they, if Extinction Rebellion really, you know, who, listen, if you're not aware of Extinction Rebellion, I don't know if they're active in the US. It's definitely in the UK. I don't know if they're anywhere else. But they're a group of like eco, I mean, I don't know if I, don't know if I have to go as far as to say terrorists, but no, eco protesters, yeah. whatever you want to call them, who do things like, they will block up motorways or freeways or whatever and glue themselves to trucks and things yeah. or or they'll or they'll lie down on rail rail tracks so that rail trains can't go or they'll, they'll lie on um, runways and stop the planes from flying in to protest you know what they think is the potential death of the planet and they say the the reason that they go this far is because the planet's going to die and we need to do something like I think if those those people really believed, right, we have a couple of years, or yeah. the planet's going to die, then you know you could imagine those people taking the leap of doing something like blowing yeah. up a, you know, um, you know, you know, like a power plant or something. You know what I mean? Like it's not too far away from something that I think could be real. But the really uh, interesting thing about Final Fantasy VII, which I don't think would possibly be included in a modern game, personally. Is that like you said? There is a grey area. There is definitely. So Barrett, you uh, Barrett's character, I think, is actually one of my favourite aspects of the game. I know we yeah. disagree on this a little bit. I think you no, don't. No, I loved Barrett. Okay, all right. I thought you know. I, you... I did think he was a little bit naggy at times. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have my reasons for that, which we'll go into. But 
I fucking love Barrett in the original and and the um, in the remake especially. The remake great. especially, I think they did a brilliant job. Of. Yeah. But we're speaking about the original yeah, one. Of course I still so, yeah. I liked him. He was funny, but he was just a little bit. Um, I think you you described him as being sort of a soft on the inside, but not wanting to show it, and just yeah. has this hard exterior. But yeah, I'm sure he cares about the planet and his his little girl Marlene. Well, no, but um, well, this is the thing though, isn't it? Because like, but it was Maggie Barrett. The first Barrett seems like quite a one-dimensional character. Yeah. Because you think he's just like the gruff, like yeah, I'm going to do this, really brash kind of guy. But then as, as the story goes along, you actually find that he's got quite a tragic, touching story to him. Um, and there's some brilliant dialogue with him that we'll get into later. But yeah, uh, what I really like about it is that you know at the start of the game you blow up a reactor, and then you blow up a second reactor. Although mm. it's revealed that you know Shinra wanted you to do that yeah um, but you know you potentially kill dozens of people and later on in the game they are called you are called out for that like another character called Kate Sith that we'll get into later says to him you know like says to Barrett I've been wanting to say this to you all, for, for, for ages now like what gave you the right to make that decision what about and all what and he said and he said but if the planet if the planet dies every, you know we lose everything and he goes well, what about for those people whose wives and children died they've already lost everything you know you've already taken that away from them and it's and it's a brilliant point because it's like it's not the game. I don't think the game is saying at any point that Avalanche were necessarily wrong because the planet was dying, but also that you know the ends do not necessarily justify the means. Yeah, and it's like at what point? At what point? Who is the one in the right? Because you're wanting to stop um, Shinra because you think they're killing the planet. Yeah. But then the the people whose family you've killed will think that you're the, the evil ones because well, you've just blown up their town and their the wife and child have died and you made that decision, but. It doesn't matter what your your motives are. You've you've killed them. You yeah. took that decision. So, so you don't have the. It, it, you know what? Funnily enough, it kind of calls back to when we talked about Spec Ops. Yeah. You know, it was a similar discussion in Spec Ops, wasn't it? When we talked about uh, the bit in Spec Ops where Spiral, uh, if you haven't played or listened to the podcast for Spec Ops, maybe just skip ahead thirty seconds, where the CIA agent destroys the water supply to kill everyone in Dubai because yeah. it's like if we don't do this, it could lead to a second, a third world war. Yeah. And it's the exact same discussion where it's like, do the ends justify the means? What right does he have to make that decision? And it's like. Does does killing a hundred people make you any better than killing a thousand people? Yeah, it's like uh, it's you know it's I mean? a trolley problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a trolley problem. Listen, if you ha- if you don't know the trolley problem, which I assume you do because everyone does, the idea of it is there is a train going down a railway track and it's going to hit five people and kill them, but you can pull the lever. Uh, and if you pull the lever, the train will divert and hit one person, but then you'll be responsible for their death. It's kind of like that, but it's like on a grander scale where it's like, is it worth killing someone for the greater good? Like yeah. that one person dies, but those five people, they live. But it's like, but you've made the decision to kill that one person. And what right did you have? Like, if you'd done nothing, those five people would have died, but it was not your responsibility. That would have yeah. happened anyway. By pulling the lever, you've killed that one person to save that five people. And it's like, you've got to be really careful with that line of thinking because otherwise you get to the point where it's like, well, why don't, why don't we just pick every one in ten people, harvest their organs, and give them to the people that need them, and more people will live. Yeah, it's such a moral dilemma, isn't it? And you know what? This is why, listener, Final Fantasy Seven is such a fucking amazing game because like, we've both played Final Fantasy Thirteen and Final Fantasy XV mm. and you can't have those kind of discussions about those games because it's just nowhere near as ambitious like no. and I don't mean in terms of amb- ambition in terms of graphics or in terms of gameplay or anything like that but I mean in terms of the story they want to tell well you say that but back in the day that would have been amazing yeah of course but I know that's what I'm saying I'm not, I'm not trying to say yeah. that there's any, anything yeah, like yeah. that Square Enix always pushed the push the envelope forward don't they in terms of like uh, graphics yeah. but I mean in terms of the story they wanted to tell mm. this is actually a really ambitious edgy story and I think the fact that it was, you know, 1996, 1997, and we've played it in 2021, and it still resonated with us, just shows how timeless it is. Do you know what I loved as well? And I didn't mention this at the time because I wanted to say it here, but 
I love how the energy that they used before was coal. Was it coal? Yeah, because Barrett came from a mining town, didn't he? Oh, yeah, of course. And it's like, that's a real-life thing that is an issue today. Yeah, well, you know what? And yet, that was the sustainable... Like, Barrett would have thought coal was okay. Yeah. I just... Well, you have a similar situation today with oil, don't you? Oil replaced coal in a lot of places, and you have coal miners who, in America in particular, well, in Britain, when Margaret Thatcher calls down all the coal mines, I'm not going to get into that, because it's very political, but... um, you know, who wanted that not to happen, despite the fact that coal is terrible for the environment. You know, like, you know, but like now we have oil, you know, so it's kind of similar, isn't it? But I just, I just found it really interesting that you're like, Barrett's this eco-terrorist who comes from a coal mining town, yeah. who is against Marco, but seemingly must be okay with coal. But well, they, were, they were happy with digging the planet out of coal, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, well, it just... Um, anyway, so, so we've got clouds, you know, mercenary... Uh, We've got uh, Barrett, who we've talked about a little bit. There's Tifa as well. So Tifa is another member of Avalanche. Uh, she is a fan favourite, beloved character. I've got to I, be careful with what I say here because I know people... There's a, there's a I lot have a rabid. lot of people on Twitter, yeah. you know, who um, love Tifa and Darius and Cloud. And, and there's a, I think there is like a little bit of a... a <laughs> I don't understand the internet listeners, but there is a little bit of a war between the people who uh, quote-unquote ship Cloud and Tifa and who ship Cloud and Aeris and they really they really don't like each other and they argue with each other a lot that is mental and I, in fact I remember on New Year's Day I checked Twitter and someone was like it's a new year can we stop all the hate please between you know the Cleefers and the Clarices or whatever they call themselves and I was like what the fuck is going on but but yeah so Tifa is a beloved character so I mean bearing that in mind that people love Tifa um, what's your opinion on her? <sighs> Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. I seem to have a problem with women in video games. I don't know if the problem <laughs> is me or the developers, or particularly Japanese developers. Yeah. But I'm not a fan. I'm going to choose my words you very carefully. Be careful that because you just said you're not a fan of women in video games. I don't think it's true. I don't think that's true. I think that Japanese video games tend to have certain traits for their female characters that you don't like. Okay, maybe. Okay, so. Yeah, particularly Japanese ones. The, the the female characters rub me the wrong way. Um, my brother absolutely loves Ares and Tifa. Yeah. Like both of them. I wonder why. I think if you could ship anyone, he'd ship those two together. Um, <laughs> but for me, uh, speaking, so I'll talk about Ares later. But Tifa, I found her to be such a fucking nag. Yeah. And I don't like nags, listeners. <laughs> I don't like naggy women. And um, I mean, first of all, her her tits in the game are fucking huge they are big, which by yeah. the way they, they toned down in the, Eve, the I mean, remake you know what like just very quickly sorry the, I mean the graphics in the game are you know by today's standards yeah. terrible I, I got used to it pretty quickly and I didn't mind it but like the characters look like inflatables yeah you know? well it's kind of cute yeah they look like inflatables and it looks really weird but Tifa has still she's got tits yeah. that they make an excuse to have them wobble and like, there's a bit later on in the game, which is like in a CGI cutscene where she's climbing up a little ledge, and her tit, she like hooks her tits she, on to she climb She uses up. her tits as an anchor. Yeah, she's like, like climbing up, and she like places the tits on a ledge. You know, I don't even know what happened in that scene, other than the fact that she used her, her, her tits, tits as, as an a, anchor. Yeah. Um, and then there's another part where she gets blown away, and her tits just start wobbling. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So they really did play up. So that. they really did. Didn't they read that in the remake? They like they hired a culture some, manager. A culture manager who said you need to reduce the size yeah. of her breasts because it, I mean Tifa's breasts in the remake are still big but they were like 
apparently even bigger at the start. Yeah, but you know, what? you know what? It's a rare case where I say, I think they had a point. I think Because so I think too. it would have been very distracting if she'd had like fucking... I think you know, if they made it any bigger, it would have been to the point where it was out of proportion. It would have been, been ridiculous. It's like, you're not playing, you know, Oni Chambro, you know, you're playing Final Fantasy. But no, it, would have, it wouldn't have looked right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I, did, I don't really like a character design because I said this to you and a lot of people probably disagree. Um, but it looks like she's wearing an orthopedic granny bra. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that means. So. And and it's this horrible off-white colour, and I'm like, girl, you need to use some Daz. Stop <laughs> mixing your whites with your colours. <laughs> and, and, you know, use some, some Vanish Shoxy, get it white. Um, and she, she's just dressed, I don't know, it's just a bit... Not my favourite character design. I think she's just... I think Tifa, as a whole character, is just a little bit bland. She is I, bland. Also, you know that little bubble at the end of her hair? Yeah. I just, I have the urge to just... Pull it up. up because it's like why is it so dumb? it's useless isn't it it's so useless but yeah I think that she's just a little bit bland personally like I don't really understand the absolute fan like obsession with her other than the fact that okay the challenge for you go on without including her obsession of cloud yeah describe her personality she is she is very compassionate towards cloud yeah she is Curious. Towards Cloud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I'm not... Because who is she curious about us other than Cloud? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I don't think she's a great character, personally. I don't really understand the fascination with her. And I'm someone who came at this game, I mean, pretty much fresh, I'd say, this time around. I mean, we did play it before, but I don't remember much about it. So I've come at this game with a blank slate. I didn't really have any opinions of the characters beforehand. Yeah. And she just came across as a bit meh. And, and this is a problem with Japanese games with characters like this. They're, they're always bland and they always either revolve around a male character yeah, or they're just sexualised or nothing. Yeah, I mean, and Tifa definitely revolves around Cloud. I definitely. Mean, her entire personality is, is Cloud, basically. She's Cloud's Tagnut and... Um, do you want to describe what Tagnut is? Oh, Tagnut is like... Because um, you've called it something like... I don't even refer to it as a Tagnut. Okay, so Tagnut is like it's a, a little, little nugget of uh, poo that just clings onto your sphincter and your, your hairs and no matter how much you shake, it just won't leave because it's it's determined to cling on for dear life. All right. Um, and that's what lovely. I see her as. And just drinking my lovely brown frap there. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, yeah, I just you said that she's curious. She certainly wasn't curious about Aries because whenever Aries was bought up, she'd be like, anyways. <laughs> and, and listeners, uh, funny little note here, you can name all the, oh, yeah. the characters. We decided this time around we were going to have a little bit of fun with it, so we called Tifa Bitch Tits. Well, you called Tifa, um, Tifa Bitch Tits. <laughs> I just want that to be clear. I didn't call her Bitch um, Tits. And then we called Aries That Girl, So every and we did it in lowercase as well. Yeah. So every time like her name was on screen, it just it seemed like no one it knew. It was really confusing, actually, because someone would say, have you seen that girl? And we'd be like, which girl? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, wait, that's what we called the character, because it was lowercase, it would blend in. And the funniest one was, we'll get to it in a minute, but we called Yuffie, um... <laughs> dot, which, dot, dot. Which made it, because when you first meet Yuffie, we'll get to it in a second, like, uh, she is like, my name's Yuffie, and no one listens to her. She's like, hey, listen, why are you listening? So we called her, um, so people go, where is, uh, what's she doing? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we, we also, so we were reading out um, the dialogue as, as we went, and you did the male voices, yeah. I did the female voices. And whenever um, Tifa would refer to Aries as that girl, I'd make it sound really... Yeah, you'd go like, oh, is, are, you to- are you thinking about that girl again? It was so funny. Yeah, because you know what? There is like... Because obviously the game has a love triangle. In fact, we've talked about one side of the love triangle. The other side of the love triangle is Aries. Yes. The flower girl, um, who is another character that people... 
absolutely love. She's definitely manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, and I think she's got more personality than Tifa. Yes. So the story of Iris is that she's a flower girl. You meet her very early on in the game, uh, and she's she's selling flowers, and you can buy a flower off her or not. And then later on, Cloud falls in through the ceiling of a church and is basically press ganged into being her bodyguard. She yes. says, if you be my bodyguard and help me get home, I'll give you a kit, I'll give you a date. I think she says. Yeah. She's whoring herself out to get to, But I think he was okay with that because think about it, Avalanche had to pay him to do this job. Yeah. But he did this for a date. Yeah. So how much is that date worth then? Like 2,500 gil? But, uh, so you escort her home and it turns out that she is... Um, a descendant of a race of people called the Ancients and she's the key to saving the planet and and um, she famously listeners and this isn't I'm not even going to say spoiler because everyone knows this famously she dies and when we talked about Final Fantasy 4 one thing I think I mentioned annoying me a little bit was the fact that you know in that game quote unquote six seven characters die but they don't because they just come back and it doesn't really explain how they come back and it feels cheap because it's like they didn't have the bowels to actually kill the characters because, you know, they were like, oh, well, we can't actually kill any characters. I mean, the only one that did die in Final Fantasy IV was Teller. Yeah. But every other character just comes back and it's just like, oh, hey, we're back. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I know that I blew myself up, but actually I was fine. Whereas in this game, you know, Ares dies and she dies. You lose her from the party. You know what? I need to tell that guy to stop levelling up Ares. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, so there's a, there was a guy that I used to work with who downloaded FF7 on his phone and he kept coming to me for advice because he knew that I'd played it before. And I said to him, listen, mate, right, what you want to do is focus on Ares, uh, level her up as much as you can, try and get all her, um, her you know, her... Uh, limit breaks yeah. maxed up as much as you can because she's absolutely amazing and you'll thank me later when you get to the end of the game and he's like thank you because for some reason he wouldn't walk through it I think yeah. he, want, he didn't want any spoilers because he knows nothing about the game or didn't know anything <laughs> how do you not know in this day and age that Ares dies I don't know I think someone just said to him you need to play this game it's brilliant and he went right I'm going to go into it noth- reading nothing um, so I <laughs> told him to level her up and you bitch it's been a good few months now you, you need to check back on him and see he's like right listen it took a long time but I've got Ares level 99 <laughs> Right. right, what do I do now? <laughs> what do I do now? Right, now go to uh, go to Sephiroth. <laughs> go to the Temple of the Ancients. <laughs> well, the thing is, right, he left my workplace um, and I kind of just, I kind of forgot. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've laid swords of seeds of chaos in the world somewhere. Yes. For no reason. Um, but no, I think um, in terms of like te- Ares and Tifa, I think I prefer Ares. I know yeah. I, know I, I was bitching about her when yeah. we were playing, but if I had to pick one... I think I'd pick her because she actually has a massive part in the plot. She does. And also, I think that you could describe her personality without describing you, Cloud. She, you can describe her personality. Um, she's integral to the plot. She yes. actually has um, some sort of worth and importance. Like, you could not save the planet without her. Yeah. Um, whereas Tifa, she's... I mean, it was a lost cause with her because she, she she's described as... Um, so she does like hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, like martial arts. Martial arts, and her master uh, describes her as being the best student. Yeah, it doesn't really go beyond that. Yeah, you know, I was going to mention that because yeah, she the idea is she's like karate. Yeah, she's got like um like you know those like I don't know what they call those, them those karate those gloves, gloves with, yeah. fingerless karate gloves on, and her limit breaks. So we haven't really talked about how the game works, but yeah, you probably know turn-based combat and all that. Yeah. The game has limit breaks where you know if you get hit a certain amount of times, you can do a special attack. Um, and like the special attacks are meant to reflect the character a little bit so like uh, clouds are all based on like his sword sword, sword play like his, his ultimate limit break is omni slash where he does like 50 slashes in a row which is amazing Tifas are all based on like uh, hand-to-hand combat moves so she'll like pile drive them and, and yeah. do all this stuff 
and like you say, you meet her, her sort of, you know, her sensei, I guess, whatever you call them, who's like, oh, she's the best student I've ever got and all that. But yeah, it's literally not explored at all. It's Maybe in the remake, I mean, obviously the remake one, they didn't really go into it much, did they? No. Maybe in, I guess that would be the time actually, wouldn't it? They're probably not going to go into it either. Because it just feels like you're told, oh, she's this awesome karate student. And yeah, she's useful in combat. But I feel like you could take her out of the plot and it's still going because think about it right she's her entire thing is about Cloud yeah who she forces into making a promise yeah again <laughs> really annoyed you that didn't it that, that there's a scene so much. there's like a flashback earlier in the game where Cloud and Tifa are meant to be like children yeah. like what 13 14 something I like think that. younger than that even younger than that and she says if I ever need to be to be saved to be rescued do you promise that you'll come and rescue me and Cloud's like what no he, she didn't ask him she said Promise. I promise that you'll come and rescue me. And Carl's like, what? And she goes, promise. And he goes, all right, yeah, I promise. And, and then and we made the joke that he, you know, he's a little boy. He probably was staring at a cloud. That looks like a, an aeroplane. He probably was staring at a cloud and being like, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go. So he probably wasn't even paying attention. And But but then she properly fucking holds him to that. She holds a promise <laughs> that a boy whose balls haven't even dropped made half-heartedly. And she's like, oh, but you promised. Oh, you promised to be my hero. And it's like, first of all, bitch, you are meant to be, like, amazing in hand-to-hand combat. Like, yeah. the best. Why do you need this bitch? Yeah, this it, bitch it does. to save you. It does undermine the character a bit. It really it, does. Because you're right. Because she's like, oh, I can't do anything without Cloud. And then there's that bit, there's a bit later on in the game where, listener, where Cloud uh, is, like, put into, like, a vegetative state. Yes. Um, and because there's, uh, so, you know, I feel like we're skipping over a lot of details, but everyone knows, don't yeah. we? If you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming that you already know all the details of Final Fantasy I hope 7. you do, because So I'm not going to explain every single little bit, but the planet has uh, uh, sort of like a blood, basically like a lifeblood of the planet called the life stream. Uh, or an immune system. Yeah so, yeah, so I think the way you described it was that like, if the planet is wounded, the life stream floods to that spot to, to heal it. And Cloud falls into the life stream for a series of events. And... Uh, it turns out that a lot of the what Cloud thought was real about his life wasn't actually real, mm. um, and that he's actually an experiment, a failed experiment uh, of the main villain. He's like a failed clone of the main villain, who's called Sephiroth, obviously. Um, and all this sort of realization breaks him to the point where it's also the Mako poisoning. Oh yeah, because gets... um, so in Soldier you get uh, induced with Mako to make yeah. you sound so kind of ma- like. Um... Steroids, right? Yeah, so Mako is like this, this like- energy that they're draining from the planet that they use to power but, the machines um, and things, but you can also uh, poison people with them, but it gives them strength yeah. and extra powers, but, you know, it turns their eyes blue. But, but I but think it, because Cloud is a failed experiment and the scientists were probably just going at him and yeah. putting in unsafe levels, it's gotten to the point where his body is just overloaded with Mako and he's got a severe case of Mako poisoning and he's yeah. basically a vegetable at this point. Yeah, so he's like sat in a wheelchair and he's kind of murmuring to himself and Tifa decides at this point to leave the party so he can no longer use Tifa and just like spend, you know, the rest of, you know, she do not know how long it's going to take for him to come around while well, his bum and you know feeding what? him, you know, you from a spoon. You beat me to it. I was literally about to mention this point. It's just like it undermined this badassness of her. Yeah, because she, cause she is, uh, you know, this amazing martial arts person. She should be at the front line saving the planet. Yeah. Not sat there be playing nurse to, to clouds. Because his doctor said they can and do it. And then again, here's my point. How important is the planet to you if you, yeah. were, you were willing to explode a macro reactor to, and kill thousands of people without the concern? Well, potentially, yeah. Um, in, in order to save the planet. But Cloud is more important because she loves him or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not going to save the planet because my problem is worse. Yeah, no, 100%. So yeah. kind of, it's a bit sus there. And also, um, it just, it made sense. So if anyone's played FF4, 
Rosa is um, yeah. betrothed to Cecil, the main character, but she's a white mage. So if Cecil did get um, her um, and put in a vegetative state, it would make sense for her to stay by his side and heal him and look after him. She's a white mage. Tifa, on the other, other hand, is not, but she turns into this caretaker, and it's just yeah. so. She just plays nurse to him. It's and so. Uh, and what's really annoying, what really annoyed me as well, is the rest of the characters. When so when Cloud is put into this vegetative state. And the, the characters all sort of gather around him and they're like, oh my God, what's happened to him? The rest of the characters, uh, uh, the doctor says to the rest of the characters, let's all give Tifa a minute with him. Yeah. Right? It's about the fact Tifa's not his girlfriend. No. Like, it, it's not implied that, that Cloud even likes her, really, from what I remember. You know? Um. I mean, obviously, you can choose how you respond to her to an extent. But, but I feel we like... responded. So, listeners, there is a trophy. We, um, by the way, listeners, this time we played it, we 100% of the game. We, like, yes. we, we, we didn't platinum it because we played it on Xbox, but we got a thousand of, out of a thousand gamer points. We, we did everything. And one of the trophies that's hardest to get is something called Best Bromance. There's a part later on in the game where you go to a place called the Golden Saucer, which is like a sort of casino, a luxury resort mm. place. Um, and there is a date scene in the game. And depending on choices that you make throughout the game, you can go on either a date with either Tifa, uh, Ares, um, Yuffie, or um, Barrett. Yeah. And we wanted to go with Barrett because we thought it'd be funny. Um, so throughout the game, you have to make certain choices to the effect. Like, there's like a hidden stat in the background where each player, each character has like a level of liking towards you. So I think uh, Aerith starts at 50, Tifa starts at 30, Barrett starts at zero. I think without a guide, you wouldn't be able to do it no, because there's things that you wouldn't think would affect it. No, it really, really is hard to do. And a couple of times where we had to reload because I realised that, oh, fuck, we should have said yeah. we should have said that we didn't want cake in that instance and that would have affected it. Um, but, yeah, so first off, that implies, that rating in the background implies that Aerith is actually the intended Yes, partner. and there's a few parts where, even when we don't have a choice, Yeah. do you remember that cutscene where um, Tifa is holding on to... So, so Cloud and Tifa have fallen off something and he's held on to this little um, pillow or whatever yeah. and Tifa holds on to Cloud. Don't know how he's staying up, by the way, because her tits must weigh like at least <laughs> 50, 50 kilograms, right? Um, and she sort of hugs him and tries to have a moment and the first thing that comes out of Cloud's mouth is about Ares. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, so if, if it was meant to be implied that they're together, then he probably shouldn't be talking about but, another girl. But you know what? It's it's really not important, you know, like, no. but, but, the, but the thing that is important is that it gave us the ability, as a player, to be off with Tifa, and we did that, because we wanted Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wanted some of Barrett, you know, that was our real... I, I ship Barrett and Cloud, yeah. personally. We wanted Barrett, so we, um, so we pushed Tifa away, and yet, you know, completely unprovoked, she becomes, like, nursemaid to him. Like I say, you know, feeding him. But he didn't have any choice in that either. Yeah, no, but then when he wakes up, he's, he's still not like, I love Tifa. No. It's just a bit weird and awkward and doesn't really fit her character. And also, right, it looks like she's giving him a... It does. Look, there is a bit where it looks like she's giving him a blowjob, yeah. Because it's, it's the graphics. Where she gets on her knees it, in front of him and... You, I think she's meant to be like bawling her eyes out and going, can, oh. she's, He's sat in his wheelchair with his legs apart. She gets on her knees in front of him and her head bobs up and down for yeah. about 10 seconds. And also, listeners, there is a... In the PS4 and Xbox One version of the game, and Xbox Series S version... There is some triple. There's like a triple speed where you can put the game on. Like I say on triple speed. On triple speed, it looked like a blowjob. job. Yeah, it, it was does. like look, 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 head down. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. Um, it was. It was funny. But yeah, I just think that was a point in the game where her character just went t- absolutely yeah. shambles. It was terrible. But yeah, so Ares, you know, she's like you're right. She has a bit of the manic pixie dream girl where she's like, oh, I'm so manic and funny and you know, like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna drag you along. She's worse in the remake. They torn oh it. Oh my up. god, yes, they she really is. torn it up in the remake. But, but I mean, at least she, not... yeah. And, well, you're about to say what I was about to say. Three sentences, if you want. <laughs> at least she's got some personality. Yeah, exactly. You know, she might not be my favorite character in the world, but she is a character. And I think she's. Um, I think I. 
I, she's not my favourite character design, but she's, in my opinion, a, I prefer it over Tifa. over Tifa. I don't really know. It's hard to tell, really, because the graphics are so bad. And don't oh, get wrong. You can see the little icons in the Yeah, I don't menu. know. I mean, it doesn't... The graphics don't matter, really. No. Like, I, if you are someone who maybe has played the remake and is listening to this and hasn't gone back and played the original, do it. You get you. I always think with stuff like this, with graphics, yeah, you, when you start it, you'll go, ugh. Because it looks terrible. Within half an hour, you'll forget. Yeah. We were we bought listeners. We bought a fifty-five inch TV recently um, <laughs> because we were playing all our games on this tiny little shitty TV. So we decided to splash out and we got a fifty-five inch TV. And one of the first games we played in it was Final Fantasy VII, the original one. And it lo- and it looked fine. You know what I mean? Like we were playing it and it looked all right. The cutscenes are still okay. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. You know, it is twenty-five years ago. How long it is ago? But they still look all right. You know. So graphics is certainly back. not an impediment but. but but yeah no I still I think I preferred Ares over it and she she had some relevance to the plot yeah um, so that's Barrett do you know what really annoyed me about Tifa though what? with the whole avalanche thing it's like they hired um, Cloud as a mercenary right yeah. so he's doing it for the money yeah but they were like him and Tifa in, uh, sorry Tifa and Barrett were adamant that he cares, she, he should care about the cause yeah and in the end he does um, Barrett really annoyed me in the beginning because he was like I don't trust you Shinra scum oh um, don't think you, you're all good because you're a soldier it's like well why have you hired him then yeah. if you're going to be like that don't pay him for his work um, if you don't trust him why have you let him on it's like you can't have your cake and eat him too I think later on in the game it, it implies that Tifa's kind of twisted Barrett's arm about hiring Kyle because she wants to keep him near so it says that it's, yeah, it says that like when when Cloud came back from you know, wherever he went, obviously yeah. been experimented on, but when she thought he'd come back from being a soldier, he she thought there was something off about him or she thought there was something interesting about him, so she convinced she told him about the Avalanche job and convinced Barrett to hire him. So maybe Barrett generally didn't trust him. So do you think she had ulterior motives? Yeah, 100% she had ulterior motives. She was like, I, w- I need to keep him around me. You know, I want him to be around me. I want him to I want him to stay around. I want to keep an eye on him. I think she even says, I wanted to keep my eye on you. Jesus Christ! You don't remember? No, so I don't towards remember the end that. of the game, yeah, she says like, I, I, I wanted to keep my eye on you. So she, you know, she's probably now, now I dislike her even more because she's so <laughs> selfish. So she's like, oh, you need to care about the planet, blah 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 blah. But I'm gonna throw this all away because I want to be by your side. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's as and when it suits you then. Yeah. Bitch. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, I think the next character. So, so the game has. This is something we were talking about yesterday that I thought was funny, right? So the game has two optional characters. Now you don't ha- actually have to get these characters, and you have to actually know how to get them to get them. You could easy, very easily miss them if you played this Theoretically, game. Theoretically, right? you could completely skip both. Of I them. imagine that people at the time did if you didn't have a guy. Yeah, I, I didn't. But uh, when I was younger, um, obviously I watched my brother. Yeah. Um, but then when it got to me playing it, it's just it, those kind of games you, you tend to explore. Yeah. And you'll come across it. And I did get hoodwinked by Yuffie. It did take me a few attempts. Yeah, well, because she, she does hoodwink yeah. you, don't you? But I, I think it's interesting that, like, we were talking about this, the two optional characters in the, in the, mm-hmm. and the that theoretically have the least relevance to the plot mm-hmm. because you can complete it without them. One of them has his own game, Doja Cerberus. Yes. Uh, which is Vincent, and the other one is the first character to have a DLC for the remake, which is Yuffie. Which is, by the way, guys, the reason why we... Got a PS5. Yeah, so we recently, listener, we, we managed to purchase a PS5. You know what? I remember when they announced the whole PS5 DLC stuff, yeah. we were fuming. And yeah. I specifically said to you, I refuse. I'm I think not, we've already not... talked as well, saying we're not going to buy Final Fantasy 16 because it's PS5 exclusive yeah. and I'm not going to PS5, and but we've got one now. And I was like, how dare they do that to like, um, you know, people who've bought it day one on PS4 and... yeah. But, but then like... Yeah, we've got a PS5 now, listener, yeah, so, got... <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't <laughs> we last very long. We spent days... 
waking yeah. up. Uh, we'd, we'd wake up, we'd get the stock, uh, sign up to all the stock alert, Twitter app things and get up and, you know, like six o'clock in the morning trying to look for stock drops. But actually it only took us about a week. So I think we did okay. Yeah. But um, anyway, what we're saying. Oh yeah, so Yuffie. Um, so Yuffie is a character that you bump into uh, quite early on in the game. You can go into a forest and you meet a ninja. Uh, a little ninja girl called Yuffie who's what she's 16 I think Six, uh, 15, 16. 15 16 you beat her and then you get into dialogue with her and she, and depending on what dialogue you choose she will either rob from you or she'll run away and also there's a little bit of a troll moment because when you um, go into the forest that she's in there's a save point oh yeah and that got me so many fucking times if you save it if you go to the save point and you press um, the button to save it just takes you out and then she's gone. Yeah, it's, and they make she's it. You, they make it really difficult. Like, there's a point where she's like, "Do you want to fight me again?" And you can either say like, "Yeah, I'll fight you," or "No, I'm petrified," and stuff like that. And if you pick the wrong one, she'll steal from yeah. you and run away. It's really difficult. But Yuffie, I think, is one of the best characters in the game, even yeah. though she has very little relevance to the plot whatsoever. Really, if you think about the actual overall plot of the game, she, like I said, you, the fact is, the game was designed to not even have her in it. So you could take yeah. her out of the plot. She does nothing, and yet she is such a great character. You know, I absolutely loved her. Yeah, she's she's great. She so she is like a ninja. She's like a quote unquote ninja. She's a thief. Uh, there's a bit. She's obsessed with collecting material because she's from another part of the world. So the first part of the game takes part in a place in a place called Midgar. And famously, when you get to the end of the first sort of act of the game, you get out into the open world and you find out that Midgar is just like a small part yeah. of the world. And another part of the world is a place called Wutai. Which Very is oriental. Yeah, which has historically been at war with Midgar. Now, I think the last time we played together, we... I didn't even know Wutai was somewhere you could go. I knew, where, I knew that Wutai yeah. was a place that Yuffie was from, but I didn't know you could get there. So, um, yeah, so she is... Uh, so Wutai is a place that's historically been at war with Midgar, but they've you know, sought peace for Midgar, but they're now weak. So she wants materia in order to strengthen her people. And it's hilarious because all the way through the game she's constantly talking about getting materia and to the point, like literally towards the end of the game, <laughs> where you go up to Yuffie on, on the airship that you eventually get and you say, um, is everything okay, Yuffie? And she goes, Yeah, 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 I've got a contract here, sign it. And you say, What what's in the contract? She goes, Oh nothing. It just says that once we beat Sephiroth, uh, you legally have to give me all the materia so I can come back to Wutai with it. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm not signing this. And she's like, oh, well, why not? You know, you don't need, well, you don't even need it then, will you? So why can't you just give it to me? She's adorable. Like, she's so cute. But um, I think what I loved about her is that she does not give a fuck. No. Like, the planet is dying. And I think even up until the end, she's like, oh, I wish I never came. Yeah, boring. Boring. <laughs> or, uh, she, or there'll be a bit where, like, you're all hurt and you go into this inn and she's like, fluffy beds. Yeah. Or, like, you know, you, you'll, you, I think there's, like, a part where, like, something crashes and you all fall out of it and the characters are all stood around like, oh, God, like that. And you just spread it all completely on the floor, <laughs> all limbs in yeah. every direction. And she also gets um, airsick. Air yeah. Is it airsick? Uh, it would be, yeah, ship, well, it's like seasick, ships, but in yeah. an airship. Yeah. Uh, and she also gets uh, seasick as well. So whenever you're in, like, uh, your airships or your little rubber boat dinghies and stuff, um, she's always just like, don't talk to me. Oh, I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's also this thing called big materia, um, which is, you know, much more powerful, more condensed materia in the world. She wants that. A huge material. Huge material, sorry. Oh, yeah, I think that's that Huge material. Um, oh, yeah, she but she's wants. like, oh, she, she goes up to Cloud and she's like, when we're done with this, do you think I could have it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, I, I, you know, she, she is not really important to the plot, no. but she's like got so much character. Uh, the difference between her and Tifa and Eris, it's like she has got so much personality and character and she's so lovable and funny. She's also the best to steal with. So you have, um, we haven't even talked about the, 
the things but basically you can set uh, commands to specific people we'll talk about the, the actual material system yeah, yeah. in a bit but um there is a command called steal and any one of the characters can have it if you set it to them yeah but she's the best to do it to because she's got highest dexterity um status but it just makes sense because she's this She's a thief. Thief. Yeah, it's really yeah. handy sometimes. You know, actually, it's probably a good point to talk about the material. Yes. Because you brought it up now. So, so every one thing that, I mean, we are both, as you can probably tell listeners, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know that we're both huge Final Fantasy fans. I mean, we've done what, like, at this point, I think we're on about 15 or 16 episodes and three of them are Final Fantasy already. <laughs> uh, and there's going to be more. Uh, we'll get to that at the end <laughs> of the episode. But um, we're huge Final Fantasy fans. And I think one thing I really love about the series is that you every game, there will be things that are the same or similar but they reinvent themselves constantly. Yeah. And I think that now that I've played Final Fantasy VII, the material system is one of the best because every Final Fantasy game will do experience points in a different way. They'll do leveling up in a different way. You know, the older ones, it's like typical, uh, oh, you're just now, you're level 10. That just means and that it, you're... And it also had uh, job, job roles. So yeah, like yeah. So you'd have, have job roles yeah. or you'd have leveling up and it'd just be like, you're level 10 now, therefore you are stronger than you were when you were level 9. Congratulations. Yeah. And this game does have that because you level up, but really important is materia. So every character has uh, weapons and armor that you can equip that have materia slots on them. And materia allows you to access certain abilities. So you can have materia that lets you do things like cast fire or cast cure or whatever. And then you've got materia, materia that gives you commands like steel or... or um, mine which is where you can copy the last yeah. attack or things like that throw and it's it's amazing because those kind of things just open you up to massive amounts of um combinations and yeah and, cust- and customization and, and stuff yeah it's really really inventive and what's really good about it is that you can then level that material yeah. up so you can decide on strategies and you can grind because listeners this game does involve grinding like as i said we we cut 100 of the game which meant that at the end of the game, you've obviously fight Sephiroth, but there's also two extra sort of challenge bosses called Emerald Weapon. Well, there's actually three, isn't there? Because there's Ultimate Weapon, Emerald Weapon, and Ruby Weapon. Ultimate is piss easy, but Emerald and Ruby are like co- like considerably more difficult yeah. than the final boss. I like, think um, if you haven't finished it and you do want to complete it and play it, yeah. I'd recommend the PS4 or Xbox version because the three-speed yeah. really handy so we grinded but the three speed made it so easy to grind because the fights go very quickly there, there is um, two other options so you can kind of cheat we didn't do this because we didn't want to yeah. cheat our way through but you can have an um, an option where you constantly have your limit breaks and constantly, and, have, full and constantly have full health yeah. um, and you can also have uh, no encounters yeah. Um, as well as three speed, but the three speed really handy because you're still playing the game, but you're just kind of. Well, there's bits in the game yeah. like you know where it is slow. I yeah. mean, it is slow to sort of like travel, you know, across uh, when you're going down when you're like in a dungeon area and you're just going down a, a corridor. Yeah. You know, having three speed on doesn't affect the game. You know, like again when you're grinding because uh, there were times where there was one time listener. Okay, so just a little aside, we wanted to get everything in the game, and one thing that you have to get to get to complete. Uh, to get all the trophies or achievements or whatever is Aeris's Limit Break which yeah. I don't see why anyone would ever do because you don't really even get a chance to use it but in order to do that the way you level up Limit Breaks is you equip the characters with their Limit Break and then you do cert- meet certain conditions and then you level up to like level 2 Limit Break and then you attach that one meet certain conditions to get to level 3 and then eventually level 4 you have to give them an item to do it right we got the item we needed to get Aeris to level 4 Limit mm-hmm. Break and I was like right unfortunately we've barely used Aeris because we weren't we knew she was going to die yeah. so I was like oh well I'm going to need to grind with her so I googled where the best place to grind is and I went to this the Junon corridor and I grinded there I'm not joking listeners for about four hours yes. I think you were cooking I something cooking. and I just did it for about four hours non-stop one after the other it was only at that point that you googled it and you realised like 
Well, it's because you were like, right, okay, what am I doing? Oh, wrong? Yeah, I've killed. I'm because because the way you level up with the limit breaks is that you have to kill enemies with that character. And what I mean by that is, it's not just that they're in the party when you attack; they have to land the finishing blow. Obviously, Ares, you know, is like a healer, and often doesn't land the finishing ball. So I was like defending with the other two characters and just doing magic with her to kill them all. And I and I got to like level 70 or something and was like, it, and it was about level 61, I think. Yeah, it was we, like, had, we had the level three limit and you were like, all right, I can't be that far off now. I've done so many. Yeah. And then it <laughs> turned out that um, we were missing a level two limit yeah. because we'd skipped over the, uh, the condition. Yeah, all you had to do was cast her limit break eight times. Yeah. Uh, but the good thing about that was we were like massively overleveled for yeah. much of the game. But even then, it wasn't easy. And when we got to like, well, to be fair, most of the game was easy. But when we got to like Ruby, Ruby and Emerald Weapon, it was difficult. But the thing about the material system was that it allows for such customization that I just don't think any other Final Fantasy game I've played Yeah, and the, fir- for. the first time that we played it together, um, unfortunately, you didn't really. I didn't engage with it really. You didn't really at all. engage with it because, like we said, we were kind of rushing through it. Um, just, to, just to give you an idea, listeners, I checked the time for completion. First time I played Final Fantasy VII, I completed it in just under 30 hours. This time it took us about 70, 80 hours. Yeah. Because but, we did um, everything. But, yeah, so this time we... You really got to grips with the material system. Um, we really strategized. I mean, you can Google and see what other people are doing, but we, we felt really proud of ourselves because there were things that we did that we didn't read about on the internet and we were like, oh my God, this works really well. Yeah. Um, and that's what the material system allows you to do. I mean, you you level your characters up in a traditional way, which is great. Yeah. Because, you, you know, it's really satisfying to see your stats go up the more you grind. But you can also level up a material. So you have different kinds. You have summon material, which is yeah. red. You have command materials, which are yellow. yellow. You have um, sort of magic and that kind of thing, which is uh, green. Yeah. And then you have um, these blue ones, which are like, I suppose, stat boost. Um, Is it p- pink ones? Oh, sorry. Like pink HP ones, pink, pink stuff, ones yeah. are stat boosts, like HPs and uh, more magic, that kind yeah. of thing. And then the blue ones, I can't remember what they were called, but you can add them on to another material. Oh, like elemental and stuff. Yeah. Effect, yeah. Um, but your weapons also play a part of it because they have slots for these material. Some of them have, uh, you know, more slots than others. Some of them have better growth, which means it levels up the material better. Yeah. And then some of them will have like a joint um, joint material slot where it's kind of like two stuck together and you can pair material up to sort of uh, coincide with them or, or level them up or um, join a magic material with an all material which yeah. will make it cast it on everyone so a good example of this is and, and to credit to you you figured this out right <laughs> we figured out uh, that there was a way at the end of the game to make your character invincible uh, and literally means that you can't lose and what we did was we um, there's a material called a summer material called phoenix <clears throat> which isn't that good but when you use it it revives every member of the party but it only has a certain number of uses um, and obviously, you know, you use it when the other two characters are down. But if you pair it with another material called Final Attack, which means that Final Attack means that if your character is killed, they use that material as they die. So if you pair it with Phoenix, you die and then cast Phoenix, which brings you all back to life. But again, you only have a certain number of yeah, goals with be- that. Because that final material, uh, t- sorry, final attack, yeah. you can level it up. Uh, to master four times, yeah. which means if you if you fully level that material up, you can have uh, Phoenix bring you back to life. No, four, no, 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 it's five no, times, wasn't it? No, 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 it's not the final attack. It's the Phoenix material. You can only use the Phoenix material a certain number of times. So when you master the Phoenix material, so listen, the, no, the material multiple seconds. So, so, so the material has a certain number of levels, right? And you level it up to like five. 
uh, for, so some of them are like level up to two, three, four, five. When you level Phoenix up to five, you can only use it five times, and then it says summon power used up. It wasn't the final attack that was preventing oh, it. Oh, okay. But then, once you beat Emerald Weapon, which is one of the main, uh, the, the extra challenge enemies at the end of the game, you get a master summon material, which means that you can use summons as, as much as you want. And uh, Minteria, over here, realised, well, in that case, you're invincible, because you can just pair Phoenix material with master material, and as long as you've got enough MP, you can never die. And we piss through ruby weapons yeah so all you have to do is make sure that you've got someone constantly um, buffing up the MP yeah and you're absolutely fine yeah we got through ruby material ruby weapons sorry which is meant to be the hardest fight in the game in about five now, five can I say it minutes? right we, we did emerald first yeah and I I said because we didn't try it the first time that we played it together whereas when I was younger I did I did emerald all by myself it took hours I don't know how I did it yeah and I don't think I used a strategy I think I just bumbled my way through yeah um somehow and spent hours and hours but I said to you emerald is ridiculously hard ruby is impossible yeah I've um, heard that I mean I remember listening to no one can know about this sneaky podcast recommendation again I've mentioned them before audio only let's play they play Final Fantasy <laughs> games really recommended but I was listening to no one can know about this and they were saying that they, when they were playing Final Fantasy 7 they were looking up stuff about re-weapon and people were saying look at this great I've got a strategy to beat re-weapon in 40 minutes yeah and so even on 3 speed it's difficult right um, and it took us how many attempts would you say it took for Emerald with, with Emerald probably 20 25 about 20 25 on 3 speed maybe more than that um, we, we tried we, we had to change our strategy around I think at one point we googled a strategy that didn't work and then we came up with our own strategy and it was really difficult yeah so we got through that maybe 25 attempts in and um, I was like no, it was before we we um, we beat it. Yeah. I was on the way to Emerald, yeah. and because three speed is a little bit awkward on the world map. To be fair, it's not made yeah, for yeah. that, but it is a little bit awkward. So bear that in mind. I accidentally bumped into Ruby. Do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh shit! I tell you what, let's have a look and see what it's like. We literally died within. What, uh, I think we lasted about five turns. Is yeah. that? Maybe even less than that. Less than that, I think. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a taste of what's to come. Yeah. Upon beating Emerald, we got uh, access to certain materia. We came up with our own strategy. Yeah. And it was probably we beat, easier. We beat Ruby Weapon in two attempts. Yeah. The first attempt, yeah, we kind of uh, got a bit unlucky. Yeah. Because Ruby, Ruby Weapon has a move where he can get rid of one of your party members. So we figured out if we kill two of our party members before we go in and only have Cloud, he can't get rid of your final party yeah, member. Yeah, so he's got this world called um, this move called... Uh, well, I think it's called Whirlpool, is Whirlpool, it? Whirlpool. And yeah. basically it just sucks your character up and he's gone. Yeah, so and we then, basically loaded up Cloud killed the other two yes. and went in and, and just beat him I think very very easily but the only problem I had with that though and again I don't really know how the game can avoid this but narratively speaking the game is all about you know Sephiroth yeah. who is the main villain who is uh, basically like a mama's boy isn't he, he he's is. like a, so he's, he's a mama's boy he's an experiment who is uh, so you might have to explain this to me okay because I'm sure, still not sure I fully understand okay. Genova is an alien yes and he is he has Genova cells implanted in him mm-hmm. so he's not actually the son of Genova he no he's kind of like a sort of so his mama is um, a Lucre- scientist called Lucrezia alright so I don't know how, how you pronounce Lucrezia, name Lucrezia 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 yeah. uh, whatever her name is um, so she uh, and he, Sephiroth's dad is a guy called Professor Hojo yeah we'll get so to it so it's his firms yeah. with um, Genova's cells yeah. and Genova's bits inside the womb of um the creature or Lucrezia yeah. or whatever her name is so I suppose she's kind of like a surrogate right well Sephiroth certainly it. believes that Genova is his mum yeah um, and 
Sephiroth uh, wants a meteor to hit the planet because his theory is that if a meteor hits the planet, the planet will send loads of live stream energy uh, towards the the big gash that's created. Um, and Sephiroth can then absorb that to become powerful enough to basically become a demigod. Yeah, to become like, yeah to become like a demigod of the planet. Um, so a lot of the game is about you, you know, taking on Sephiroth. Sephiroth is built up as this you know, legendary warrior, this amazing power, and all this. But because we were like when we finished the game, I think Cloud was at level ninety nine. I think we had our, our party because this is a game where it's not a Final Fantasy ten. In this game, you pick a party, you can stick with it. Mm. Our party was um, Barra, Sid, and Cloud, we'll get to Sid in a minute, but I think Cloud was level 99 and Barrett and Sid were like level 96, 95, yeah. and we beat Rude Weapon and Emerald Weapon. When by the time we got to the final boss, I think it was like we beat them in, he, he had like three stages. I think we beat the first two stages on the first turn, and then the third stage maybe took two turns, and it was a bit underwhelming because it was like, yeah. oh, finally Sephiroth, the one winged angel, all this kind of stuff, you know, the music's all epic and stuff, and it was like, right, Knights around. Smash, 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 death. We didn't, we didn't even do Knights of the Round in the end. What we ended up doing was four cut, and yeah. we did it in like three turns. We but, took, um, it took us, because we did four cut, we did 99, 9999 damage, four times in a row, mimed it. So we had three characters doing four times 99 damage, three times in a row, and it was and over. And countering as well. And countering, um, and it was over, and it's like, But, but oh. you're right, it's like, how do you, the only way you can do that is by, um, sort of doing what FF8 did and yeah which I, which I hate which so, you hate so yeah. what and you, to be fair Final Fantasy X yeah so sorry I should have said FF8 you, the monsters level up with you so. and to be fair I don't think most people would grind to level 99 so I think it's quite um, it's quite a nice feeling yeah to, it's a reward isn't it to be, yeah and Final Fantasy X does the same thing like yeah. if you do all the extra from Final Fantasy X when you eventually go to fight uh, spoiler alert um, oh, you know what I'm not going to say the last the last boss when you eventually go fight the last boss you know, it's a piece of piss because you fought with tougher stuff, so it's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I would rather that than have Final Fantasy Four. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or Final Fantasy Eight, like I say, um, where where you're actually punished for grinding. But, but um, um, yeah, so but yeah, so the material system is absolutely brilliant. It's really addictive and it's cool as well because um, when you do master um, the material, which so means you like, fully yeah, level you it top, up, you top the experience. Um, a new material is born from it and you'll have a, an underleveled version of that material that you can then fully level up to master yeah. and the the cycle goes on yeah I mean little insight listening to how we played it we wanted to get every trophy every achievement as I said one of the achievements is to get 99,999,999 gil mm. and the only way <laughs> the quickest way to do that is to get these all materials so all is a material that you can attach to other abilities to make them affect everyone and if you get them to master, they get they're worth one point four million gil. So we ended up just farming you know these all materials over and over again. It really worked because the way the game is, absolutely everything you do uh, feels like it's for a purpose. Yes. So so when uh, Joe earlier on was speaking about um, leveling up Ares and not realizing that we didn't hit the criteria to get her her um, her limit break, yeah, it was it was stupid of us. But at the same time, it didn't actually hinder us in any way well no it helps because Cloud yeah. and I think Kate Siff was in the party they both leveled up they both leveled up uh, we also had material attached which was leveling yeah. up I think we had all material yeah. and in that that particular place where you were uh, grinding you get more experience for the yeah. um, the Junon corridor yeah that corridor in particular really levels up your um, material so it was like we got loads of gil we leveled up the, the material that we want to sell for gil we leveled up our characters 
didn't really lose out and it felt like that all throughout like everything that we were doing was working towards like two or three goals yeah and and that that for me and, and i know it's the same for you is really Not, really so, so that's so one good. reason why jrpgs are like so, possibly my favorite genre of video yeah. game because i love the feeling that whatever you do you're you're moving towards a purpose this is why and listener you know if you want to send me some hate mail or whatever whatever yeah. i don't care this is why i've never really loved zelda like I, lo- I did. I did get into Wind Waker. I did enjoy it, but I always felt like I, w- you know, there was no real reason in in Zelda games to fight, yeah. because the only thing you're gonna get from killing enemies is either hearts or you might get you might get some um, rupees. But rupees were never a problem for me in Zelda games. You can just go find barrels and smash them. And it was like because you're not leveling up, it doesn't feel like there's any reward. Whereas in JRPGs, it's like even if you take a wrong path or you accidentally fight four hours of battles because you thought you were trying to level a limit break that didn't work it doesn't matter because you get it's all working towards definitely you will be more powerful as a result definitely and uh, another cool thing that uh, Final Fantasy 7 does is that um, so you've got you can only have three party members at a time yeah it kind of uh, it doesn't level the, the non-active characters but it does see I'm not going to do this in the original because we um, noticed this didn't we that like yeah like that so the, that particular grinding session that I did in yeah. Dune on Corridor I leveled Cloud Ares and Kate Sif literally about 20 levels right doing just in that one corridor yeah. in about 4 hours when we went back to the save points and stuff we noticed that the rest of the characters they weren't quite at the same level but they were maybe like 15 levels behind when they should be like 30 levels behind yeah so it kind of, of it kind of dragged them up a little bit just so that they weren't too far behind yeah. now I'd be lying if I said I'd, I remembered from no, I don't know PS4. if we did that in the original but we definitely did um, in this so like at the end of the game we hadn't used Kate Sith and Tifa and, and all that for ages but they were still like in the late 70s whereas I think we left them we, last time we used them they were in like the 50s yeah so it must have done it a little bit I don't know. I don't know, but but it does in in this version it certainly did, and I did appreciate that because yeah. it's, you know sometimes you can think you feel uh, forced to use a character, or yeah. um, you might think oh I'm going to have to do double grind because they're going to fall behind, but in, actually it wasn't it wasn't too bad because no. it kind of no it wasn't no I mean to be fair the game does kind of encourage you because you get these items called like guard sources mind sources things like that which improve your base stats because. It's not like Final Fantasy VIII where the characters are literally blank slates yeah. and you can make them into whatever you want. Like Some characters are better suited to other things. So like things. we said, Yuffie's better at stealing. Yeah, Vincent has got the highest magic stat. Yeah. So if you, so he's like a magic user. Um, and um, so and you're encouraged to spend these guard sources and stuff to improve certain stats. So it actually encourages you to, to nail down a party. So there's certain times where you'll have to use other party members, but generally it's like stick with your See, three. See, what we ended up doing is I just didn't use the guard sources right until... Until we decided, soon, yeah. Until we decided who we were sticking with. Um, and I like that because, you know, if anyone's played eight, um, go back and listen to our podcast, but uh, <laughs> at the end you don't get to pick your party. And no, I hate that's that. that's really annoying. I, it was really annoying. So it's like if you chose to stick with three certain people, you're fucked because yeah. if you end up with a weakling, then... You, again, you Tough fuck. Shit. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's like, okay, you can, you are now at a point where you can focus all your energy on this party, give them the best equipment, give them the best um, materials, and even though you can swap them out, but still, um, and then you can give them the guard sources, which are permanent yeah. uh, stat updates. And I liked that. I did as well. By the way, you can um, you can swap out material from one uh, party member to another, even if they're not in your party. Took us a while to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, because like, um, if you recall, when we played Final Fantasy VIII, yeah. one problem that we had was like it was quite annoying having to swap all the. So in Final Fantasy VIII, you junction 
guardian forces which are summons onto different stats and things like that and it would be a little bit annoying to have to constantly go into the menus and do that and at the start of Final Fantasy 7 it felt a little bit like that where you were constantly having to swap material and then I think I went in and I was like oh oh wait you can just... exchange all well it's not even that I think the first time I was like oh look you can do like a row at a time or a material at a time and swap yeah. it and then I was like Oh, you can do everything. Oh, well, I think that's 50-50 our fault and the game's fault because the game didn't explain that, yeah. but also we could have figured that out. So. Yeah, I know, I know, but we did find <laughs> There's that. There's a bit later on where where Sid, who we'll talk about in a bit, but Sid, you, um, he becomes the leader of the group for a bit while Cloud is in a vegetative, a vegetative state. When Cloud eventually comes back out of it, you can talk to Sid in the airship and he goes, God, I hated being a leader. I kept losing track of who had what material. Yeah, you know, that would have proper made me laugh. And it's like, yeah. That made me laugh so much. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, criticism though, big, big criticism, you cannot change accessories on a character that's not with you. And oh, yeah. that fucked us over a few times because yeah, um, for some reason you can't, you can't unequip an accessory from a character. They have to have something equipped. So if you don't have something else to swap to, they're stuck with it. Yeah. And there'd be times where you'd give a certain character that you needed to have in the party for that particular story part um, the best accessory, they'd disappear. Yeah. And if, if you weren't at a point where you could take that off of them or they just disappeared without you realising, you'd no longer have that accessory. Yeah. That was stupid. And you know, for some for accessories are quite important because they'd have like status effects. Um, uh, you know, help with uh, something like protectness from darkness or protects you from fire attack and stuff. And we need that for a particular thing, but it was gone because Barrett had it and Barrett's gone off. Or, yeah, that was annoying. Yeah, so I did. I don't understand why you couldn't do the whole material thing and swap things out with characters that weren't there with accessories. Yeah, I guess it's just they didn't think about it, did they? But it was really annoying. Yeah, it was annoying, it and was that very, did happen, like, because we had certain, like, one piece of accessory which becomes really useful is a ribbon, yeah. which perfects you from all status effects, and there's certain bosses and stuff where not having a ribbon really fucks you over, because it'll just turn you into a frog all, all, over and over again. Um, and it's like, oh, shit, Kate Stiff's got the ribbon, and we can't get to Kate Stiff right now, and fuck, you know, we're going to have to figure out a different way. Yeah, it was really irritating. Um, it didn't become that much of a problem at the end, because once we picked our party, I just yeah. made sure that... You stripped everyone of I everything I stripped everyone useful. and gave Tifa a okay. iron bangle, because yeah. <laughs> that's all she deserves, and <laughs> we were fine, but when, when you were, like, reliant on those kind of accessories to get you through the game, and when, when you had to mand- have a character mandatory, it was really annoying. But. It was. Right, well, we talked about Yuffie, so how about next we talk about Vincent? So Vincent is the second of the two optional characters um, in the game, and Vincent you find sleeping in a coffin <laughs> below the Shinra Mansion. So the Shinra Mansion is an area of the game in a place called Nibbleheim that you go to quite early on, and he's asleep in a coffin. Uh, we give him, like, a... I think we call him Cape Man, and gave him a, <laughs> a like, a Transylvanian accent like that. But So he's kind of implied that he might be, like, a vampire. He's not a vampire. He's not. He just kind of has the look and the. He has the look stuff. of a vampire, and he's sleeping in a coffin. But he's actually been—he's actually someone who has been experimented on. I'm not going into too much detail because, listeners, we are going to play Dirge of Cerberus. Yes, and that's a whole story in itself. So we'll cover that when we get to it. But he, I think, doesn't really. I, I do like him. He's cool, but he plays literally no role in the game whatsoever. Husbando. Is your husbando? <laughs> he he literally plays no role in the pot whatsoever, and he, I think he's got in the game a little bit less personality than Yuffie. Like he's cool when he's there, but I don't really understand why. If you all he had to go off was Final Fantasy VII, he would be a character that you go, oh, he's cool. Let's make more of him because he's kind of just like there. He looks cool. He's he got looks, a cool character. He's, he's got a really cool. cool character design. 
and he's got a cool mechanic for his limit break where he transforms into one of four yeah. monsters and you lose control over him which is actually not that useful because it's better to have control of what they do yeah but it makes it's sense cool it, it's cool though it's different yeah so he's cool and he's different and he uses guns and he's you know He's got like a pistol and he's quite... He's, quite, oh, he's got this awesome cape. He's got an awesome cape, yeah. Um, really um, nice. By the way, it's, it's very funny because um, a little bit of a backstory for... We won't go into too much detail because, like we said, we are going to play Dirge and... Yeah, so I don't want to um, cover the backstory but too much. But just long story short, he's... Um, in this game, he's 60 years old. Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't age, does he's, he? I think six, 57, sorry. He's 57 yeah. years old. He does not age anymore due to, you know, being injected he's, and he, experimented yeah. on. Um, but he's punishing himself and atoning for his sins for not stopping Lucrezia you know the, the lady who From birthed Sephiroth, Sephiroth yeah. uh, because he was in love with her um, the bitch like strung him on yeah. Uh, and he was like the personal body... He was a Turk. Yeah. And he was a personal bodyguard of Lucrezia. Uh, blames himself for not stopping her from doing all this horrific stuff. Uh, and has uh, listened to my comical romance. I repeat, <laughs> grown his hair out. Yeah. Gone to Hot Topic. Got some metal Vivian Westwood boots. Put some eyeliner on. Grown his hair out. Shut, shut the coffin and just kind of... Chills. Chills, yeah. chills there. Um, that's a long story uh, short of that. But he's... He's a really cool character. He's cool, but he doesn't do much in the He plot. doesn't do much in the character. In fact, the, this playthrough, uh, we didn't really use him much. No. I think we, we had him in the bits that were mandatory for trophies or yeah. um, like if he had to be in it for the, the plot's sake, which really isn't much because he's like inserted and you can finish the game without him. Um, and when you're picking your, your part, he's not great. No. He's, he's the best at magic in stat-wise. But he, I don't know. Just for our playthrough, he wasn't he wasn't great. So no. we didn't really see much of him. But I still I still like him. And like you said earlier on, him and Yuffie are two optional characters that have turned out to be actually fan favorites. Yeah. <laughs> fan favorites. And I think the difference is though, Yuffie has a whole side quest. Um, yeah. Like, so if you when you have Yuffie in the party, you can go to Wutai, which is an actual location in the game. It's quite hard to find. But there's like a whole there's a lot of side quests that take place there, uh, which are really interesting. And you know, further Yuffie's character, you find out more about her character. Her dad is like the ruler of Wu Tai, and she's run away to to strengthen Wu yeah. Tai because her dad's very much like peace and love now, and doesn't want to fight Shinra, and she thinks that Wu Tai is sort of like humiliated by this and all that. Whereas Vincent, there's one very small side quest with Vincent that gives a little bit of a glimpse into his backstory, but it's like apart from that, he doesn't really add anything else to his character. Like I do think Vincent's a good character based on what I've seen in Dirge and other stuff, but like in this, I feel like he's just kind of there. By the way, he's so, he's. I think he's meant to be just like really demure and yeah. kind of muted and broken, I guess. But um, I think he looked really cool as a Turk. Yeah, well, you know what? We should probably talk about who the Turks are because we've mentioned that a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, so... So um, the Turks, I think, are some of my favourite characters. Yeah. Uh, and you did, didn't like him the first time around. Well, the Turks? Did, yeah. I didn't really even appreciate them at you all. You said but that Renault was a douchebag. He does look like a douchebag. He does look like one, but... So the Turks are like Shinra's elite Bodyguards, Body yeah. yeah, and they all wear like black suits, like men in black from. Uh, you know what? To, to be fair on them, they actually look apart from Reno, who's a little bit more like scruffy. Yeah, they look really, really suave. Yeah, they like all wear black suits and they've got sunglasses on and stuff like that. They look really cool. And they initially, when you first meet them, it's because they've been sent to catch Ares because uh, Hojo, who's the mad scientist who works for Shinra, wants to breed her. Uh, which is gross we'll, we'll get, get into, get into but minute, um, yeah. the main Turks that you see are Rude which is yeah. the, the bald headed sunglasses guy yeah. you see Reno who is a red headed douchebag who um, looks a little bit scruffier than yeah. the rest 
you see a girl called Elena, who I fucking hate. She's a proper Jobsworth. I cannot stand a Jobsworth her. for Americans is like someone who, you know, like he's really like, we need to do this by the book because it's really important. We, you know? What we'd call in this country a brown noser. So someone yeah. whose nose is so far up someone's ass that they've yeah. got shit on it. Um, and then, <laughs> and Seng, then you've got Seng who's... Um, you don't really see him much, but I think he's been pursuing Ares for quite a while, yeah. and he's meant to have been in love with Ares as well. Which yeah, is weird. well, they grew up together, didn't they? Um, and then um, I guess Vincent, who was previously a Turk, yeah. uh, personal bodyguard to Lucrezia, um, but um, I think he looked really cool. Yeah, I think because they all, they all he, look cool. he looked he, like he didn't look so emo. Yeah, <laughs> he looked suave. He had short black hair. He was in a suit. But I, I think the Turks, oh, generally, I really like, like, there's a bit uh, where when you go to Butai, you find that the Turks are actually having a vacation there. They're always drinking. You go into, like, this <laughs> bar called the Turtles Paradise Bar, and when you go in there, they sat around drinking, and Elena's like, it's those guys, we need to stop them. And Reno's like, it's that day off. He's like, you don't work on your day off. Who's your favourite Turk? Re- Reno. I definitely. think Reno's my favourite Turk. Is Reno, it Reno or Reno? I don't know, whatever. Well, but, like, whatever. I love how he's just like, oh, it's a day off. We don't work on a day off. And she's like, but they're there. We need to do our duty. And I think he says something like, people who take the jobs too seriously are fools. Yeah. We're not here to do this. So why would we, you know, just leave them alone. And I just thought, yeah, you know what? He's a man after my own heart. You know what? Yeah. He, <laughs> he's not getting paid for this. His work ethic is exactly yeah. like mine. It's just like, when he works, he works properly, but he's on his day off. Why would he do it? I, I absolutely love him because there'll be other times where um, they've got like a orders and they're working and you'll run into him and he'll be like, I think Elena will be like, oh, it's them. We need to get them. And Reno's like, that's not our objective. We need to do this. We ain't got time for this. Yeah. And just kind of go. It's like, I job. Well, yeah, because when you get there, they say, um, oh, you know, um, we are going to, oh, you know, they might have to track back a little bit. But it's like, oh, he's here. He's here. We need to catch him. And you assume they're talking about you, but they're actually talking about a different character. Yes. The character they're talking about is a character called Don Corneo. Who we will also go into depth. Well, in, we'll, we'll in stop about that now. We might as well. <laughs> so earlier in the game, before, before you leave Midgar, there's a part in the game where you find out that Tifa has been. Uh, quote unquote captured you think by this local sort of crime boss called Don Corneo and the only way to get into his mansion is that he basically every night he gets his men to pick like three or four beautiful women he chooses one that's go- that he's going to sleep with that night and the rest of them basically get given to his guards it's pretty grim yeah implies he basically get gang raped by his guards I mean that's the implication I got from it anyway it is that he says the boys can have them which is very sinister he then has sleeps with them and then you assume discards them or, or like puts them into prostitution or something whatever he does yeah it's horrible um, and Tifa is one of the women but in order to get into his mansion you need to Ares can be chosen because she's obviously a pretty woman but Cloud is like no you need a woman so Cloud has to undergo a series of side quests to dress up as a woman and depending on how much effort you go into will depend on whether or not you get chosen you know what? this is one of my favourite bits in you the game. get chosen to be Don Corneo's uh side uh to Corneo's woman and you like you have to like get perfume makeup dress and all that and that is one of the best parts of the game actually yeah. because it's really funny and it's fucking dark there's a bit that implies that Cloud has a gangbang with like yeah, four or five very big muscly men in, in speedos it's really weird because it's part of the side quest to get like the wigs and yeah. that kind of thing you go into this place called the Honeybee Inn which I assume is meant to be like a brothel or like it is, a, no, it is definitely in. a brothel and you can go to each room and like look through the keyholes and one of them is called the was it the red room or something? Yeah, or something like that. Um, and it turns out that there's an old elderly couple in there just sat there, and they're like, "Oh well, our son rented this room out for us. We should make the most of it." First of all, weirdo son. I know you proper weirdo son. Fucking, you need to keep an eye on him. <laughs> um, he's like a reverse nonce. <laughs> reverse nonce. Um, a reverse incest nonce. Yeah. And then you go into another room, and there's like a I think what I assume like a there's like a, a CEO getting. 
Yeah, like BDSM. BDSM, but like demonic yeah, BDSM. Yeah, talking about they're talking about like raising the devil and shit, yeah. aren't they, and stuff, and yeah, and communing with demons. It's and stuff. fucking weird. And then you, um, there's another room um, where I think a guy's getting like spanked and stuff. Yeah. And then um, the room that we <laughs> we picked oh was what was it called? I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's a group room. I think it's called. Yeah, it was called the group room, and you just. You the, go in there. The girl comes in and she's like, right, are you ready? And he's like, uh, What for? What for? And then she, and then she like, just leaves. And then like... like 20 yeah, <laughs> big muscle speedos. men come in. And I don't, I don't and even... Like, oh, let's all have a wash together. And they get in like a hot tub. But like so tight that they, I think Carl said they can barely breathe. Yeah, and he makes a really weird noise. He's like, ooh, yeah. that hurt. Yeah. It's, and it's like, it's not clear whether they're just scrubbing him red raw or if they're... Bumming him. Bumming him or... <laughs> I don't fucking know. It is, it it is really weird, isn't it? it it's, it's stuck with me from as a child. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I have no idea. But the whole the whole point of it is to get into Don Corneo, and Don Corneo is like this horrible, sleazy, disgusting crime boss. By the way, right? I um, I think we mentioned this when we played it this time around. In the remake, there's a a guy that you dance with who yeah. is kind of like a... Don't go into too much detail because we'll do the remake. That's true, but um, we were like, oh, they've put that in to sort of uh, make but it... Avoid the gay uh, by gangbangs. Yeah, but then there's a part where t- in order to get a wig, yeah. you need to beat these guys, these like really muscly men in a squat contest <laughs> and then you get given a wig. I didn't realise that that was a man who gives you the yeah. wig. I always well, thought it was a woman. I think, I think it's meant to be a trans... I always... Well, this time round, it felt like it was a transgender person. But I didn't. I didn't notice that. I don't know how clear it is, but the idea is that the idea. I mean, I don't know about the terminology, but they're definitely a crossdresser. Yeah. You know, and they think that, and the trophy that you get for it is called consummate crossdresser because you're also crossdressing as Cloud. It's very strange. But well, it's just a side point that I didn't. I yeah, didn't really I don't notice. know. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Probably because the the sprites are so. Yeah, you know, the polygonal surprise is so bad, but so yeah. Eventually, you get to Don Corleone's mansion and you beat him, and then when you're in Wu Tai later on, he comes back. So the Turks are actually looking for him, and he captures Elena and Yuffie, and it implies that he wants one of them to be his wife. Well, they're, they're kind of like tied up to the. Um, There's like this the big like, Buddha statue thing, and they tied up. Be- to because eyes. Don Corleone has like loads of sex traps, so he'll have like a sex dungeon. He's which got. You can he's go literally in. got a sex dungeon. He's got a sex dungeon that has like um, chains and like a one of those stretchy things. I can't remember what they're called. Uh, the ones that, that like like he, a rack yeah like yeah, a rack okay. and just lots of weird stuff yeah and then he's got like a lever that why why he's got that in his room is beyond me well probably for this purpose and then um, yeah he's got like a bed that moves around and stuff and then in this mountain for whatever reason he's got this uh, rotating rock thing that yeah. ties girls up and he's he's a very adult down. character isn't he he's a, he's he's just rage pee he's horrible yeah, he and he's, he's grotesque so I think the idea is that Shinra that he's like the local mob boss and Shinra yeah. he works with the Shinra who use him to sort of control the area mm. so he's not actually a part of Shinra but they're like he does stuff for them he's a little puppet and it yeah. works out for him because he gets to fuck whoever he likes yeah but like he so I think that Cloud and Tifa I think Tifa purposely gets captured because they find out that he has some information that they want which um, by the way is A I if she's meant to be so good at fighting she should be okay yeah but B if she's not okay why the fuck does she do that oh no she might have been okay because when we get there she's like we think she's been captured but it turns out she's been captured on purpose and she's like I had it all under control she was gonna she was hoping she'd get picked so she could then beat him up and make him tell her so she thought that she'd get picked out of the the three well I think yeah that's (laughs) the thing we talked about at the time so you've got Cloud a big burly man 
in some some makeup and a dress getting chosen over Tifa yeah. and Aerith. They must be sat there being like, bitch. I know, I'd be furious. <laughs> if I went with you and he, rather than feeling relief, I'd be like, what? Well, to be what? fair though, I do look mighty fine in a dress. Oh, so, yeah, you know, you know, I think I'd pull it off. But no, so so I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about this. So Tifa thought, yeah, it's okay, I've got tits. He'll pick me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she'd then beat him up. She's uh, arrogant. Yeah, but it didn't work, did it? Because we got picked. And then, yes. and then narrowly avoided a bumming. Which, by the way, is a brilliant, brilliant scene as well because yeah. um, once you get picked, he takes you to the room and he's like on the bed and he starts trying to, to rape you. And um, <laughs> the, the Tifa and Aries burst in and then you sort of confront him and uh, if he doesn't talk, you kind of all have a go at saying, you know, if you don't speak, I'm going to tear it off. Yeah. And then Aries kind of says, if you don't, I'll... I'll um, Bite it off. I'll, no, I think it's, I'll chop it off, I'll tear it off, I'll smash it off. Yeah. It's, it's, like, just, it's hilarious. You know, just, I don't know why. It just reminds me, you know, like the bit where so when your car does get picked, Don Corneo is like chasing him around the bed and you can actually choose to flirt with him a little bit. Yeah. Bad, but it reminds me of that bit in The Mighty Boosh. So, so <laughs> listeners, if you don't know The Mighty Boosh, you know the bit where Kodiak Jack is trying to fuck Vince Noir and when they come in, they go, what's happened? He goes, I guess narrowly avoided a bumming by Grizzly Adams. <laughs> it reminded me of that. It reminded me of the South Park episode where um, the police officer goes under... under oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And he's, like, getting a bit too into it. Because I think, like, you can say, like, you can flirt with him a little bit. Call, yeah, I'm sure you can call him daddy. You can call him daddy, yeah. And then when, when Tifa and Aris break in, they're like, what were you doing? And you're like, nothing. I was undercover. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was playing along. Don't worry about it. But it's like, there's a hint, maybe, that Cloud's, like, a little bit into it. I always yeah, thought. Well, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is funny as well. Um, um, but yeah, amazing part, absolutely amazing, no, that is part. amazing part. But he he doesn't die. He escapes, and at this point, he's got um, Yuffie and Elena, and he wants to fuck one that, of them. That's later. I think that's way tell, later yeah. on. Um, and the, but so, yeah, so, so you actually team up with the Turks to yeah. beat him, and the Turks are like, well, you know, like we weren't here to catch you, so you can go now. But we'll, we'll obviously, when we're back on the clock yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, we're going to come after he's, you. He's particularly <laughs> Renault who is like that, yeah. and I. I really like that. It's really different. I absolutely love it because it's like, you guys are elite, right? Yeah. You guys are elite. And there's one point, in fact, they're on vacation quite a lot. Yeah, they are. Um, and so, so there's a place called Costa del Sol, yeah. um, which is like a resort town, like yeah. overpriced. You see them there drinking. Yeah. Uh, Wu Tai, which is a tourist place. They're on holiday. You see them drinking. Yeah. And like, I don't give a fuck. Well, you know, the, the brown noser is trying to capture Cloud, but he's like, sit down, sit the fuck down. You knew this is how we do it. Um, there's another part as well where um, they get given orders from HQ and Elena's like but we have to and I think it was two soldiers come over and yeah. tell them and Reynolds like don't give a fuck mate I'm on I'm on vacation I'm not doing it <laughs> yeah, exactly. and the soldiers are like well we're reporting back and they're yeah, not yeah, happy yeah I think it's that bit it where, is, it where is. they're like yeah well you know not. They've, they've said you've got to do it and he's like I'm not on the clock so I'm not getting paid for this I'm <laughs> sitting here and finishing my drink <laughs> and Elena's there like shivering in a boots being like I don't think this is a good uh, idea yeah I think he says to Elena Elena you're spoiling the drinks <laughs> shut up and sit down I just I absolutely adore that because it's like it's so different to have these elite soldiers uh, these, you know bodyguards actually have some personality and that yeah. this means nothing to them apart from a good paycheck yeah which is and I, I really really related to that yeah and it's like so Renault doesn't hate Cloud he it's, just, it's a job it's a job yeah it's a job it's not his lifestyle you know it's a job he's off the clock why would he care there's another point where he's um, I think he has to do something with the reactor Renault does and he runs past Cloud and is like, I don't have time for you. Yeah, I know. There's quite a few times yeah. where he's just like, I'm not, you're not my focus right now. And I kind of like that a lot. Yeah, I do. Um, so talking of Don Corneo, so the first time you beat Don Corneo, um, you, after you beat him, you um, eventually 
Ares, he tells you that, that the Shinra are planning to do something with one of the plates. So Midgar, they describe it as being like a big rotten pizza, don't they? Yeah. So there's like a, a city on top that you actually see a little bit more of in the remake. But you see tiny glimpses of it in the original. It's like quite affluent and yeah. lovely. And then underneath there's the slums of people who don't, who live under the, the uh, seal, sort of like a metal sky because the plates cover their sky and they live in these horrible slums. Yeah, and they kind of call them, um, they, they part it, from, they call them sectors, so kind yeah. of like a postcode. So it's Sector 7 is where Avalanche is or based. Or is it code or something Yeah, like so Sector 7 is where Avalanche is based and the headquarters is a bar called the Seventh Heaven and they find out that Avalanche, uh, Shimmer are basically planning on collapsing the plate above Sector 7 to wipe it out and blame it on Avalanche. Um, and Ares gets captured um, in exchange for, the, uh, for Marlene. So Marlene is Barrett's adopted daughter. You find out a bit more about later, and you make your way into the Shinra building. This is one of my favorite parts of the game, actually, because you got to, you get into Shinra's headquarters and you work your way up the building, and then you have to make like a daring escape. Um, but in in the Shinra building, you meet another one of the characters, who's a character called Red Thirteen, whose actual name no, is no, Kate Sith. no, 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 it's not. It's Red Thirteen. You meet Kate Sith later. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you meet Kate Sith, who is actually called Nanaki. Yes. Uh, but he calls himself Red Thirteen because that is the code name that Hojo gave yeah. to him, and he's like a like a lion almost, like, like a red. A red um... We did say, remember in the Kingdom Hearts uh, podcast, go back and listen to that. Uh, we talked about how uh, Nomura loves lions. Yes, maybe yes, this yes. is like because he designed the characters in this, didn't he, Nomura? I reckon they're like right. Nomura shows you designs, and it's like Cloud, Tifa, yeah. um, Red Thirteen, Sid. Go back. Just, just go, go back with Cloud. Do you want to see Cloud again? No, no, what was that? What's, what was that you dog? Next, next, next. So it's like a dog lion thing. Um, and it's really eerie at first because one of the sort of minor antagonists from the game is a guy called Hojo, who's like a, ma- a really creepy mad scientist who kind of like just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care about the Shinra, really. He doesn't care about the goals. He doesn't care about the planet. He just wants to see what happens. And later on in the game, you eventually beat him in a boss fight. And it turns out that he's actually trying to help Sephiroth... Um, destroy the world basically because he wants to see what happens and because he wants to prove his thesis and yeah he wants to prove his thesis right he wants to prove because Sephiroth was his experiment he wants to prove that his experiment went correctly and he's like excited about the prospect even though it means that he's probably going to die because he's mad he's like a mad scientist and when you first meet him he has like um, a um, what do you call it like a test chamber thing where he's got Ares and Red 13 he's trying to breed them to see what happens yeah and this this bit luckily in the remake they didn't do this but this bit was um gross to say the least yeah. and I think before the, the remake was out I was like I don't know how they're going to do this because it's horrible because first of all Red 13 is technically a child you don't know this at the, at the beginning yeah. but he's technically it, a I child think, I think he's like 40 but for his race it's 15 that's, is it, it's 14, 15 so in, in dog years or lion years yeah. he's 14 or 15 years old yeah he's like meant to be like so um, even though he's like 40 in real time he's actually like a teenager yeah so First of all, horrific, and he, you know, he's he's obviously been in some sort of trauma. He's got an eye missing or yeah. a scar down it, and he wants to he wants to breed a, a young girl who's like nineteen, eighteen, nineteen with a dog. What's wrong with him? His yeah. justification is that they're both dying species, yeah, um, who have tremendous power, and he wants to carry on the she's bloodline. A descendant of the ancients, and he's and a descendant he's... of. Um, what, I, can't really call I don't even. I don't even know. What I don't called. think he's ever say the tribe of whatever race he is. Yeah, they're like like sentient, red dog lion. Sentient, yeah, sentient red dog lions. But um, yeah, so the first time you see him, you don't realize that he's going to be part of your member and uh, your your t- member party <laughs> even. Um, and he's growling at Ares, and it looks like it's going to attack. Yeah. Um, 
but it turns out that once you rescue them he says like I was putting on a show I was putting on the show because I didn't want Hojo to like try anything else yeah um, but it's it's just a, I, re- I remember just really being gross, isn't it? as a child being grossed out by it, yeah, it as is. an adult being like what it's is wrong it's really genuinely unpleasant that bit oh Oh, sorry. uh, Maisie is on the bed right now, twitching like crazy. Jerry's also on the bed, by the way. Just to clarify, we uh, we Jerry sits in front of us and we talk right into his face. So Jerry's here, but Maisie's sat in the background. She might be chewing. I think she might be having a a dream because she's asleep. She's fast asleep, listeners, but she's like slightly twitching and moving her mouth. Let's just give her a quick stroke. Let's have a look, Maisie. Maisie, okay. There we go. She's all right. Have <laughs> you heard that, listeners? Oh, she's uh, she's rolling. <laughs> she's rolling around now. Oh, she's fine. Um, so yeah, so Red Thirteen is like a, uh, a yeah, like a red dog lion. He joins the party as well, uh, and I actually quite like his storyline. So he uh, is he's not actually that strong. I don't think we actually had him in that party that much. No, but I think his his storyline is actually very sweet. Yeah. So he's a uh, born to this race that live in a place called Cosmo Canyon, which is um, the which is meant to this place that holds like secrets and things like that. And he thinks his dad um, was like a coward. So the the uh, his home got attacked, I think, by the Shinra. Is that right? Yeah. And because they, they, there's like a, there's macroenergy there and stuff. And he thinks his dad was a coward, but it turns out that his dad actually sacrificed well, himself to he save. Thinks that, um, he thinks his mum was left to be killed yeah. and that his dad ran away and left the rest of the tribe um, to sort of rot. Yeah. Uh, and and I think in their tribe it's like no the man of the, the tribe should like be the warrior like it's a, a real warrior esque yeah. kind of thing so yeah he's spent his little life thinking that his dad was a coward and absolutely hates him um, but you can tell that he's a child uh, yeah no yeah definitely like he's a teenager and he he has uh, a character that he calls Grandad even though he's clearly not the same race called yeah. Bugenhagen who is like uh, an old man that sort of floats and has like a ball for a for a body. He doesn't have legs, he's just a head and, and he goes, ho, 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 all the time. And he has all these, like, secrets, and he's very nihilistic. Like, he says, oh, yeah, the, the planet's dying, everyone's going to die. Ho, ho, ho. Like that. And uh, he calls him Grandad and stuff, and uh, it's quite sweet, because he, like, you can tell it's like, Grandad, you know, Grandad, what's going on? And Buggenhagen calls him a child. Yeah. Oh, a child, you know, like that. He's like, I'm not a child, I'm a man, I'm going to go out there and prove that I'm a man and all that. It's quite <laughs> sweet. But There's a, there's one point where uh, Red 13 joins you and you're on a ship and you, you speak to him and he's just like uh, chanting to himself over and over I am oh. Nanaki uh, son of um, I think his name dad's name Seto son of Seto I'm not scared yeah. I'm Nanaki I'm not scared it's so adorable it is sweet that yeah. bit made me like oh it, it probably made me like him uh, there's also another character that you meet you meet this character uh, do you meet him in the gold saucer who? Kate Seth yes you do so another character yes, called Kate Seth now Kate Seth is a um, is a robot that it looks like it's like how do you describe it like a big white plushie with a cat on top of it yeah yeah and it's a robot and it joins you very suddenly it's like oh hey yeah I'm here now I'm going to join you okay and everyone just kind of goes alright and he joins we, um, we named Kate Sith uh, Maisie yeah after this one who sat on my oh, lap oh we right named um, Red 13 Jerry yeah so we named it Maisie after the cat sat on my lap right now purring very loud I don't <laughs> know if you can hear that listener um and uh, yeah, he joins you. Um, and I, I really liked Kate Sif's character again. I thought it was a really interesting twist that Kate Sif joins you. It's a robot. Um, very quickly, you realise that he is a spy yeah. for the Shinra. Um, and he's been controlled by someone back at Shinra HQ. And it's really funny because you um, get the um, the key. Is it the key to the ancients you get? Yeah. Uh, so, so you 
So part of the plot is that Sephiroth needs this black materia that he's going to use to summon Meteor, okay, which is the thing that's going to come and destroy the planet, or you know, do so much damage to the planet that he can suck up all the energy and become a god, right? Um, when you get the key, you sleep at the Golden Saucer, and Kate Sith steals the, the key and gives it to the Turks, basically. Uh, so you catch me like, oh, you're a spy? And he goes, yeah, I am a spy. Anyway, can we just carry on like we were before, please? And you're like, but you're a spy. He goes, yeah, I know, but I've done that. I've done it now. So can we not just pretend this didn't happen and let me stay with you? And the characters kind of go, okay. Because he says, well, you know, I've got Marlene, so, you know, you're going to have to let me stay. And, and they kind of go, oh, damn it. Okay, we'll just let him stay. Do you know what I don't understand? And this bit annoyed me a little bit, actually. Um, so you know how I said that Barrett was being a dick to Cloud in the beginning and being yeah. like, oh, you're action, right? I don't trust you, but you can still work with us. Kate Sith literally waltzed in and kind of said, I'm sticking with you guys, whether you like it or not. Yeah, he literally does. He and, said, well, I'm going to come with you. And they were like, so. okay. okay. Not not a single bat of an eyelid. Yeah. And it's like... I, yeah, they don't never, and even after he even after he is unveiled to be a Shimmer spy, they don't really mention it that much. No. Every now and then he'll say, oh, I can help. And they'll go, well, we're not going to trust you because you're a spy. He goes, oh, come on. And they go, all right then. <laughs> He's like, what the know. fuck is going on? And it, another thing that really made me laugh about uh, Kate Sith is... So you know early on that he's a, a robot body yeah. um, being controlled by someone from Shinra. There's times where the party are like in pain and like, you know, being hurt and under rubble and stuff. And they're like all going, oh, like groaning in pain. And you'll have like Kate Sith sprawled out being like, me too, guys. Uh, oh, ow, oh, ow, ow, this hurts my body so ow. much. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm feeling the same pain as you guys right now. Oh, and it's like... You're not, you're a you're robot. You're sat in an office with your tea next to you, <laughs> you know, your orthopedic mouse. Um, not orthopedic, sorry. <laughs> no, orthopedic. You're going to a bra. You're going to a mouse, you foot up on a stool. Yeah. You know, a, a big biscuit next to it. You're like, oh, guys, ow. Oh, oh uh, you know, this is bad for all of us, isn't it? Oh. But, yeah, so, it, you know, you find out later on that... Kate Sif is actually a character called Reeve who's like one of the chief Shinra execs but even from the start you kind of get the feeling that Reeve is not the same as the other so there's like because Shinra is ruled over President Shinra who's the guy who rules over Shinra is killed pretty early on by Sephiroth and from that point on it's ruled over by his son Rufus who Min fancies and I don't Min Tyria fancies and I don't understand why Um, as as Fandor? I don't know why though so it's ruled over by Rufus and then you've got like his little sort of chief exec director's board of a guy called Heidegger who's a big fat bearded uh, I think he's meant to be like the head of defence or something yeah or and then you've got Palmer the security chief who's I will just say but sorry by the way uh, Heidegger is horrible yeah like he's really ill-tempered and he constantly he's, a, he's abusive like constantly if he has a bad day he'll hit the just staff. like Rufus will be rude to him and he'll run off and start punching and hitting his own soldiers for no reason then there's Palmer who is like just like a sort of slippery slimy coward and then there's Scarlet Scarlet the Harlot. She's a slut. Based on what? Well, she, first of all, she's dressed very... <laughs> to, to say that she's in, like, a, a quite a serious organisation, she's dressed very inappropriately. Because yeah. um, everyone else is, like, suited and booted. Um, but she's got, like, a tits out in this red, red dress and this flowing blonde hair, and um, she does this, like, cackly laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, she's horrible. And then you've got Reeve, who's Kate Sith, who's secretly controlling Kate Sith, who seems like he's the only one who's got any decency about him. Scarlet is the head of uh, weapons, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, like I said, I mean, Reeve is the only one who's like concerned about human costs. And it's like, you get the feeling that like he's got to that point with fairly good intentions and he's now kind of, kind of trying to do his best from within to steer the company in a good direction. 
you know, like, but he hasn't quite gotten ready to give it up on them, give up on them yet. You know what I mean? It's like he's yeah. a career man who spent his entire life working for this company, have risen to the top, knows well, that what they're doing is wrong, and he's trying to do his best to try and steer them in a better I, direction. Yeah, I felt like he probably thought he's be- best suited off staying there, where he has influence yeah. or some sort of um, say. Then fucking him off and just going eco-terrorist well yeah and you get to see that perspective uh, as I said later on in the game because towards the end of the game Kate Sif confronts Barrett and says yeah. like because I think Barrett calls him Shinra scum again and he's like basically from his perspective is like Shinra you know you know may not you know may do a lot of things wrong and stuff but there's a lot of people that rely on Shinra you on the other hand you killed hundreds of people because you thought it was the right thing to do. Like, what would give you that right? And it's yeah. like, it gives you the other perspective, which is interesting. And I think he also mentions Marlene and he says, what you're doing is for Marlene. Yeah, yeah. He so says, you don't, are selfish. Yeah, he says, like, don't pretend that you're doing this because you want to save the planet or anything like that. You're not. You're doing it because you care about your... And then Barrett's, like, stunned and he's like, oh, shit. Well, he kind of admits it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. But, um, he has been selfish all Yeah, I think right from the get-go, you realise that Reeve is... I don't want to say good guy, but different because i don't know if you remember when he's speaking to um the first rupert rupert uh, not rufus shinra yeah the, the actual president shinra and he's talking about dropping the plate and he's like there's thousands of people there like you can't just do that and they like brush him off yeah yeah, yeah. um there's another bit where uh, there's like a puzzle that's been made by the ancients and the only way that you can get this key or material or whatever is by going inside and sacrificing yourself because it will just disappear well the idea is that to take the black materia the 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 entire temple is being like summoned by the black materia if you take the black materia the entire temple will shrink down into the black materia and anyone who's inside it will be crushed to death so kate sith um i don't know why no one thought of this apart from kate sith but he's like oh i'll sacrifice myself and i I was thinking this isn't a sad moment because you're a robot yeah he's like i'm just gonna get another one like yeah. he said, and he does say that doesn't he he's like oh, don't worry i've got another body but then he kind of has a speech and says don't forget me yeah and it's like but it's like you, you but you're not anything yeah you're a robot but then you also see his intentions that he's wanting to help them he, he's kind of split isn't he he kind of realizes that they may be onto something and that they, they're actually trying to do something good but he also has his altar to shinra and what i really like about it is you know he comes around towards the end of the game like he doesn't come around to the point where he'd be a member of avalanche and be on barrett's no. side but he does come around to the point where he thinks shinra is fundamentally broken do you think that he feels partly responsible and is trying to make a 100 percent? because um i think I, we were talking about this in bed yesterday but he is head of i said to you head of something oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's head of you said i read uh, head of something and i was like yeah so reed gives his business card out hello i'm reed and he says reed head of something Shinra. so he's head of urban development that was it yeah and he's the one who designed the macro reactors yeah but obviously you i don't feel like he knew exactly no, what he was and doing this is what i'm saying he didn't have that intention he didn't have that ill intent it's like the guy you know the guy um who invented dynamite yeah. Do you know about him? Yeah. And he invented dynamite. He was the guy, uh, he was Alfred Nobel. Yeah. The Nobel Prize is named after him. And he invented dynamite and he thought it would be used for like mining and, mining and stuff. Yeah. And then when he realised what he'd invented, he, he so it was reported falsely that he died. And he opened the newspaper and saw in the newspaper that they report that he said, oh, merchant of death, Alfred Nobel died today. And he was so heartbroken by that that he put all his effort and money into creating the Nobel Prize because he wanted to remember for something other than yeah so the Nobel Prize comes from him because he was like I want to award people who've actually made the world a better place rather than being known as the guy who made the world a worse place by inventing dynamite that's just a true story that so it's a little bit like that with Reeves where he probably um, didn't intend for it to be used in the way it's being used now no and and I don't know if there was any way of him knowing what consequence there would be yeah Uh, so he designed it so maybe it's like shit my invention has done this and also the company that I represent 
is now committing and atrocities. It's probably best I'm within to see what they're doing than to yeah. I mean, give it up. and as you travel around the world, you go to all these different places that you see have been ravaged by Shinra. Yeah, that Shinra have sucked dry or just completely fucked over because there's something there that they want. And I don't get the the, I, the feeling that he's well liked in that company either. No, because well, because he's the odd one out, isn't he? He's he is. Sheep. He is, and everyone seems to like treat him uh, like a se- second class citizen. Yeah, because he doesn't. He's but not I, on board I did with like them. him. Yeah, I did like him. Uh, so Kate's is a good character. And then the last but not least in the party is Sid, who is probably the best Sid so far. Well, he, I, my favourite Sids are yeah. FF9 or Glop Sid. Yeah. And this Sid, I think. I think, yeah, I think it's close. I, I think this Sid is fantastic because he's like an actual crucial party yes. member. I know he's in four and he's a party member in four, but he's not like there forever, is no. he? He's coming in and out. But in seven, he is like a crucial member of the party. He's, I mean, his theme song, by the way. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Launching a dream into space. Yeah. So good. But I just, I've got a thing about, like, grumpy old men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he's that, so he's always, like, smoking and he's quite grizzled and I guess he he loves space and airships. Yeah. And, which, again, is what a Sid should be about. Yeah, definitely. Um, mechanics. Mechanics and all that. But, like you said, he's actually really crucial to the, mm. the plot. You get him, like, disc, what, disc? Two, yeah, I mean, this two, yeah. Um, and there's a point where he's nominated to be the leader when when Cloud is a in a veg- vegetative state, um, and it you depend on him sort of flying these ships and giving you this ship called Tiny Bronco, and um, he <laughs> one thing that's very endearing in the game is you have like a team of uh, pilots. Oh yeah. And when you talk to him initially, it says level one. Level one pilot and like he's like really nervous. He's yeah, like, oh, and, what then, am I doing? and then there'll be like two other people on the control panels, and they'll be like, "Oh, I get nervous when people talk." Every to me. time you and talk to him, he'll go, oh, and it'll go, Poof. and it'll be like, because yeah. they made a mistake. But then the more you progress and you talk to the pilot, it will say on top level one uh, pilot, and then level two pilot, yeah. and then by the end of it, it says, um, "It says like fully leveled up pilot, or something yeah, like that. Your master pilot." Like, it's, I don't know. I found that moment really heartwarming. You know, there's lots um, of really cool little moments in the cool, game. Like if, you, if you do play it, like make effort to speak to everyone. I think you get so like I think this is a game that you get so much out of from calming it. Yes, calm it because um, there's just tiny little things that you really appreciate and that are really adorable. But um, yeah, so you've got Sid, who's he's not really a nice man. No, um, so it, so he was works for Shinra, yes, and he was the head of their space development program, and they were about to do a space launch, but his wife, who's called Shira, is Shira, it? Shira, is like a bit of a like a perfectionist and wanted to double check all the engines, and they realised as they were launching that she was still in the engine room checking the engines, and that if they set off while she was still in there, she'd get burned alive. So they had to cancel the launch, which caused the rocket to sort of rise up a little bit, then crash down and, and lean. Uh, to the side and Shimmer at that point were basically like well fuck it we're not doing that again yeah. so all this time he's been he's always dreamt of going to space and never been able to because of Shira and he's horrible to her he's like you fucking well he doesn't say fucking bitch although the game no, no, it does. It the gets- game does swear <laughs> so like I think the game says shit a couple of times and it has like when a character swears it'll say hashtag asterisk you know, yeah. all that like all that kind of thing like ampersand to sort of imply that they've just sworn and the characters will say what the hell are you doing you what bitch. did we call um Sid in our game we called him Ronnie P because oh god no one's gonna get that yeah so if, I'll put it on Twitter right okay. so there's a very famous clip from Britain it did go, it did go in um, worldwide and okay. I remember right I remember watching don't ask me why but I watched I, I think I clicked onto RT News which is a Russian news network and it said British news and it said like, it had like a picture of the Queen 
like uh, like a picture of like I think it was uh, Theresa May at the time, okay. a couple of things, and then it had Ronnie Pickering going, you know what? <laughs> that was in the new section, <laughs> like representing Britain. But yeah, but, yeah so Ronnie her. Ronnie Pickering is this scene, basically this clip, and it was a guy on a moped with like a GoPro on his helmet. The local hard man. Uh, uh, no, this no the guy the guy with the moped oh. uh, in the moped's not, and he's driving and he's waiting to turn right at a junction, and the guy behind him starts peeping on his horn and being a real dick to him. When he turns the corner, the guy comes next to him and he's like. There's no need for that, you cunt. There's no need for that. And they get to an argument. And he says, what's wrong with you, you fucking dick? Just just relax. Why are you getting so angry? And he goes, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And he's like, he goes, no. no. He goes, I'm Ronnie Pickering. He and goes, he's like, who? Who? Me. Who are you? Uh, Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> I'm Ronnie Pickering. It's a really funny thing. I'll put it on Twitter. But we call him Ronnie Pickering because, Ronnie P, because I think one of the first things he says is like, do you know who I am? Yeah, and we're like, all right, bang on. Perfect. Yeah. But he's absolutely horrible to his like wife. And don't get me wrong. I didn't like his wife. Well, she was just a bit of a... She was... Uh, she she was, was a bit of a doormat, wasn't she? She was incredibly annoying, but um, he's got, like, a lot of resentment for her because the reason why his entire dream of um, not going in space has been shattered by his wife. Yeah, not. she it all went up in smart because of her. Yeah, and, and you know what really annoyed me about that bit? So she... I think, to be fair, she was actually right in that um, one of the gas chambers... The chambers weren't... I think it, it was, was like one of gas, the engines or something. Gas canister or something. Wasn't yeah. correct. And Ronnie P was like, well, if you weren't so thick Sid. and you were... <laughs> Sid, Sid's like, if you were more efficient and you weren't so thick, yeah. you'd get it done in the time that we need you to. And she's like, oh, well, it's okay. By the time we lift off, if I can just get this right, it'll be fine and you'll be fine. And he's like, but you'll burn to a crisp. And she's like, that's okay. Just like, yeah. do you want us to think that your husband is going to let you burn to a crisp, you dumb bitch? Yeah, I know. You stupid wench. And it's like... You've, you've ruined it for him. Yeah, I know. Like, realistically, he would be a monster if he's like, well, my wife is going to be burnt to a crisp in agony, but I want to go into space. Like, so. Can you imagine if I if I did that to you and I was like, well, don't worry, I know I'm going to die, but I'm doing this for you so you can go... Yeah, I'd sacrifice you. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, Min is my wife. Uh, so just to make that clear. Oh, yeah, um, yeah um, and I would sacrifice you yeah, in a heartbeat. Like, if it was like, I need to get this doorknob, but in order to do that, I'd have to sacrifice you. I'd be like, yeah, take her. She's dead. But yeah, it was just. I'd burn you to a crisp for a doormat. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's just really irritating because no one in the world would do that, and she's such a doormat, and she's just too perfect. And he's um, got this pent up resentment towards her. And there's one point where you all go into a house, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Why are you not making the guest tea?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like, "God." And then she then tells you the story about what happened. And he comes back in like ten minutes later, going, "You still haven't made the fucking tea. You're yeah, useless." You know, what? she's just there at the <laughs> sink, kind of just like doing nothing. So you know what? Sid's probably got a point. She probably just dawdles. Yeah, but then it turns out later on that she was right. Yeah, but she probably could have fixed it in five minutes if she didn't think about well about shit. Like, if it takes her ten minutes to make tea, yeah, then she's probably... The the, the job that she did in that little uh, cockpit probably could have taken her ten minutes instead of half an hour. But, yeah, so Sid is, like, gruff and, yeah. and quite grumpy and miserable and blunt. Uh, but he's, he's, he's a good character. He's so And good. I enjoyed having him in the party and stuff. He's you know? really funny as well. And I love how he's he's so distinctive, like, with the swearing and stuff. Yeah. He's like, he unnecessarily swears. At, he's got a sailor's mouth. Um, yeah, he does, yeah. But he's so funny, and I fucking love him. And he's quite mean to the pilots that are training under him as it's well. He's mean to everyone. But it's like tough love, kind of. Yeah, because yeah, they all really love him, don't they? And respect yeah. him. Like, they realise that he's actually a really good boss and that he does care about them. It's just kind of that thing of like, it's like how soldiers are with each other, isn't it? Where they're like, he's very mean and, and sort of cold with them, but it's actually because he's like trying to whip them into shape and stuff. And he, he hates Shinra for a different reason, so it's nothing to do with the planet. He's just resentful that... You know, actually, he, I did think it was a little bit weak. How he's like, 
so you you go to Rocket Town, which is where his rocket is, and you uh, the Shinra basically come to say, we're taking your airship away from you because we need it. And Sid's like, no, you're not taking that away from me as well. You've already taken my, my dream away from me. I'm not going to take my airship. So you all climb on the airship and Sid flies it away. You crash it into the sea. And Sid's like, so what are you guys up to anyway? And we say, well, we're going to save the planet. Uh, you know, but we, and he's like, are you going to take Shimmer down as well? He says, well, you know, that, that's probably going to be part of it. He goes, all right, I'll come on then. You know what really annoyed me about this bit? What? That ship is not his. No, no, it's Shimmer, isn't that, it? So how how can Shinra take away something that they've funded yeah, exactly. and paid for well, and it has Shinra on the side they yeah. own it and also I was thinking maybe he just wanted um, like an excuse to get away from his husk of a wife because <laughs> if yeah. I was in his position and I was stuck day in day in day out with her having to wait like 15 minutes for a cup of tea and by the way guys like she's literally a doormat like she says yeah. at one point oh well uh, I'm the one who ruined his dreams of going into space, so um, I'm just going to live for him now yeah. and do whatever he tells me to. It's like she has no personality beyond that. Yeah, like she's it, yeah. absolutely useless. She she doesn't have any personality, and she can't eat, she just can't even make tea. Yeah, so what is the point of it? Um, <laughs> so if I was him, to be fair, and I was locked into a marriage with with her, um, I'd be looking for an excuse. <laughs> I, I would be like, you know what? I don't care if I'm shooting into space or the sea. Yeah. Take me with you. Where are you going? Fight Shimra and save the planet. Fine, I'll come. I'll yeah. come. How long will it be gone for? Uh, well, a long time. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I totally get that. So, you know what? He's probably got the best alibi, if anything. <laughs> well, listen, love, I had to leave for a year because I needed to save the planet. What do you want me to do? Stay here and not save the planet? He's not the only man that's left his wife in this game. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Wait, the guy who left for 20 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Because before we carry on then, one thing, we have gushed with praise and we're almost at two hours. Oh my God. But, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's this good a game, yeah. isn't it? But uh, one thing that I do want to say is terrible in the game. The worst thing about the game is that it has this fucking awful fascination with shit minigames, right? Oh my God. Now, some of them are less offensive than others. A lot of them are based around timing that just doesn't work. So I think one of the first mm. ones is you go to the Shinra, one of the Shinra reactors, and you've got t- carrot, uh, carrot, cloud beef... Beefer. <laughs> and Clara beefer. and Beefer. <laughs> Cloud, Tifa and Barrett. <laughs> you got Cloud, Tifa and Barrett all lined up. And they say, right, we need to press this button at the same time. And you have to press the button and get the timing right. And if you're like a second too fast or a second too slow, it doesn't work. Yeah. But the only way to do it is like, you've got to press. If you wait till they've moved, it's too late. So you've got to kind of anticipate their movement. And it's just not fun and it takes forever. And... Bearing in mind this PS1, the hit detection is no. not great. It's uh, not that kind of game. There's a few. There's another bit where you've got to make a jump, where you've got to jump and swing across a cable, and yeah. it's the same thing where it's like you never, you have to press it before, like the second before you think you're gonna have to press yeah. it. It's just awful. And then, uh, um, and then, yeah, the worst part I think is the bit we're about to talk about. Actually, we can get to with the guy. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you make your way north uh, into like the snowy mountains area, mm-hmm. and in, and in order to get to where Sephiroth is, which is in a place called the Northern Crater, uh, you have to. Well, so it's not crater yet, is it? It's just no. in like the Northern Mountains, Mount. Well, I can't remember what mountain it is. You have to sort of climb up through this mountain. And in order to get there, you go to this like snowy ice area first, which is beautiful, by the way. Which is really nice, uh, and then you make it through the snowy area into this area where um, you where you have like a temperature that if it drops too much, you pass out and wake up back at a cabin. 
and you have to make it round these backgrounds which all link together but are really confusing and disorientate you by spinning yeah. the screen around so you don't know which direction you've gone in and they all kind of connect to each other in weird ways and it just takes forever and it's really annoying I think that it took us about two hours it was probably the worst part it was the worst part and of that the was game, two yeah. hours with a walkthrough yeah we had to use a walkthrough um, for it and you know I'm grateful for that walkthrough but even Jeg- then it was, okay. yes, it was if you need any walkthroughs from Final Fantasy seriously check them out they are fucking he does God's work like his walkthroughs yeah. are amazing so if you do want anything like that jegs.com so um, even with that walkthrough it was I can't, you know, I can't imagine what it'd be like without that oh god it would be insane because yeah. um, like Joe said they had like um, like screens that would connect from one main area to another main area but they purposefully made them look identical and yeah. you'd just be constantly confused and it was horrible and again every sort of 150 to 200 steps you pass out and end up waking up back at the cabin yeah. and you're starting again it was just horrible but there's a really funny bit before you got there. So you, before you go up the mountain, you, you spend some time at this place called the Icicle Inn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you want to say what happens? Yeah, so there's this lady in there and she's like, oh, um, my my husband set out to, to climb this mountain, um, but he hasn't come back yet. It's been 20 years. <laughs> and then we're just like, okay, so he's either dead, which I, if you did that and you didn't come back in 20 years, I presume you'd died or you've yeah. gone off with another bitch um, <laughs> and we're just like are you sure he went well do you remember you find him yeah and he's just living in the cabin yeah at the top of the mountain he's yeah. just like oh yeah I've climbed here but you need to be really careful you know because the temperature is really bad and it's like are you not going to go back to your wife she's sat there waiting for you nah no, I'll be fine I'll be fine don't worry about it um, so he, he must you know she must have been a witch to live with yeah to have to leave her <laughs> for 20 years um, well, you know you probably said to her if I'm gone more than like five years, I'm dead. Yeah. Just, just stop thinking about me. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Move on. Move on. You know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm dead. Um, but it's like, she just says it so matter of factly and like, she's no concern. No, it's not just even like, like, oh, he's been gone 20 years, but I'm sure he'll come back. It's like, I imagine just being like, you marry someone and say, by, by, by the way, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm going to spend the next 20 years of my life climbing a mountain. Okay, why? Just, no reason. Just because I want to climb it. So, Bye. A lot of people die there. Here's like a it. child, by the way. You raise it by yourself. Yeah. Also, no, I said no. It's not the same house. I'm gonna say it's a child, not like five. It's not. It's the same house. No, it's not the same house because my husband left twenty years ago. Look, like we've got this child. He's <laughs> five years old. I'll be like, Ooh. hang on, hang on. Um, yeah. He's also black, but don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just dark, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so the game, you know, has some other really cool. Uh, it's a, the game has a lot of like extra stuff that is unnecessary but adds to it so for example one really sort of infam- infamous thing about the game is the chocolate breeding yes. which we used uh, which I'd heard I'd never done it before and I'd heard it was this like really insane difficult thing we did it with a walkthrough and I'd say we got it done in like a couple of hours it is insane without three speed and without um, a walkthrough so you've got to like you, you, can't, you can in the game you can catch chocobos by doing a few steps and then you can breed those chocobos together to get a different colour chocobo mm. you then have to race them and upgrade them and then breed them together to get even a better chocobo and at the end of this long process you get a gold chocobo which could basically go all over the map but by the way gold chocobo is way better than an airship yeah well it can go it can run over mountains and stuff and do anything you want and there's certain areas that you can only get to with the gold chocobo um i struggled with this though because uh you have to catch a chocobo yeah get catch another one yeah breed it catch another one and then breed 
you breed brothers and sisters together. Yeah, I, I struggled. Yeah, you have to breed. Yeah, because like you have to breed brothers and sisters together to get out the next stage of chocobot. And Minteria was looking at me and saying like, "Can we not go and get another one?" And I was like, "I'm not going for all the effort to get a fucking another one. Let's breed them. They're not real. They're only in a game." But she did not. She didn't like it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so um, our first one was. We, I think we 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 named him like all, all food after food. Based. Yeah. So we had like katsu was one of them, and then biscuit biscuits. One of them. Uh, no, burger, burger, pizza, um, samosa. The, we called one inbred. Yeah, you called one inbred bread being food. Yeah. Samosa. Um, uh, so that was really fun. The gold sauce has lots of mini games that are generally horrible. <laughs> to be fair, again, but and um, Battle Square, you know, there's just a lot of like uh, it's really it's a game where you really want to go and do all the side quests and stuff yeah. and really really rinse it because we had a much better experience from it by squeezing and rigging every single little bit out of it. Like it was really satisfying to yeah. do, wasn't it? It was constantly fun all the way through to do that um, is there anything else we haven't talked about you think that you want to um, no just in terms of side quests like you really I, I'd recommend using a walkthrough as well yeah um, because you will miss a it, lot I'd say things. use a walkthrough if you've already played it yeah. like if you're revisiting it like we did I think using a walkthrough is really cool because you can you, you get you to get, appreciate it you get everything yeah um, there's lots of things that like Minteria has played this game quite a few times yeah. and there were scenes that you hadn't seen because yeah. you know you'd, you'd never found that area when you played it as a kid you know and stuff yeah, like that um, you know, like, for example, when there's a bit where Yuffie steals all of your material, if you mess it up, you kind of... Yeah, well, in the walkthrough, I remember it saying that some people quit the game at that point yeah. because they can't figure out how to get the material back. So when you first get to Wutai, she steals all of your material and then runs into Wutai and you've got to try and find her. And she, she's like, she'll be, like, hiding in a pot that's shaking and... Yeah, but it's quite like hard, but, you know, if you didn't know where to go. Yeah, but if you don't follow it correctly, you know, it, but, but once you do do them, you get, like, so much character from everyone and a lot of insight and it's just... It adds to it, and everything makes like sense and stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think if you, if you're returning, maybe walk through it. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you want to highlight before we get onto the quiz? Um. No, aside from we've talked a lot we about talked. the game. I mean, in terms of like the com- we didn't really go into the combat that much. I mean, it's I mean again, you've probably played it. It's very typical turn-based combat. It's ATB, so like you know the it's about waiting for your character's turn one thing that I was going to mention actually before we continue when we played it for about I'd say 85% of the game we um, we were a little bit disappointed with the, the summons because we were like they're not really that handy yeah we didn't really use them did we they, like, they were pretty shit to begin well, we with. were doing more damage just using attacks and things yeah. like that and saving our MP than we would be from using summons however when you're trying to do emerald weapon and um like more harder bosses and ruby weapon, and, ruby stuff, weapon yeah. and maybe the last boss those summons kind of break the game if yeah. you pair it correctly there's but one summon that you get you can only get from getting a golden chocobo called knights of round so oh, you, can, yes. you can only get you can only get it from having a golden chocobo yeah. that does if you have the right magic uh you have high enough magic stat skill does about one hundred thirty thousand damage and you can get a material that lets you summon things twice in a row if you get that that means you can do two hundred sixty thousand damage and then you can get them uh, your other characters to mime that so which just, doesn't take any mp yeah just to clarify right that's more health than the last boss has so yeah up until that point we were like because we love summons like yeah. i always look forward to seeing a new summon and we were like eh, they're a bit they're a bit, bit lackluster but then we ended up like using Phoenix and Knights of the Round and maybe Bahamut every now and then quite a lot. All the time. Um, weirdly enough, when you master them, you can only sell them for one gill and I don't quite Yeah, because you can master when you master material, it creates a new one so you can sell them. And for some reason, summons are one gill. Yeah, what's, what's up with that? I don't know. Shit, innit? It's, it's very shit, but yeah, so th- I did find that a little bit weird that they went from being pretty shit to, yeah. to quite good. Um, 
I also forgot to mention that uh, I found Tifa very self-centered. Yeah, you did. Yeah, there's a bit where do you remember? Yeah. There's a bit where like Cloud's talking about uh, like how the live stream affected him and all that kind of stuff, and then Tifa walks forward and go, "I was also affected by that." She does that multiple <laughs> times, and I've never noticed this. Right, I've always hated her, um, but I never quite understood why. But like, I guess paying attention and coming through it with you has really like brought light to it. And there was a, um, a point where like Cloud is, uh, I guess, in his memories and like trying to figure things out and having a real hard you know traumatic time um and Tifa's like trying I guess it's sucked in and he's helping him and he's trying to recall like what's real and what's not and what she does what she thinks is appropriate is to say this has affected me by x y and z yeah yeah and, and then T- Cloud will say something and it will turn to Tifa and she'll make it about herself yeah she does and do she, that. she does that all the fucking time yeah you really despise and her she does that with Cloud she does that with Aries in particular whenever yeah. anyone talks about Aries or has any concern for us she'll be like well anyways we are going to get some we are going to get some angry pe- if anyone listens to this which is doubtful we're going to get some angry people about you you know well this is my opinion I don't know you're entitled to it I, but I people know, people really fucking love Tifa I know lots of people love Tifa but my bro fucking loves Tifa yeah but for different reasons <laughs> but um, I just didn't quite realise how boring and self-centred she was yeah. at least at least Aries to the end sacrificed herself yeah no she did yeah um, and she might have been a, a bit of a manic pixie and she might have been a little bit you know bit out there and flirty and, and whatnot. but at least she stuck to her guns like she didn't yeah. just change her um, motives from uh, being an eco-terrorist and all oh, the planet to oh I'm going to stay by her side and forget about everything yeah, because yeah, I'm so yeah, obsessed yeah. with you like she clearly had a thing for Cloud because she was like oh I'll give you a but date. she put her but she put the, goals ahead of it she put her goals and, the, and her responsibility as the last uh, ancient and the fact that she's the only one that can do this, uh, aside from everything, aside from her happiness, aside from her safety, she even traded herself in for yeah. Marlene's safety for the you know for her goal. Yeah. Did Tifa do that? No. No. In fact, Tifa lied at one point because she she um she's she? like Did, didn't she say oh I knew that there was something wrong but I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid. Oh yeah, no, yeah. She says that she knew because when you find out that Cloud's memories are all fabricated and that he was actually like an experiment, she says, "Yeah, well, I knew that something was wrong. Yeah, but I, you know, I didn't say anything. I kept it to myself." It's like so you could have saved a lot of headaches if you'd just been honest, you know. But and this is why I dislike her. Yeah, you really do. I I can see it in your eyes. I I dislike her and Shira and uh, that lady in the the cabin. But you like Yuffie. But I love. I absolutely adore Yuffie. And you love Scarlet. (laughs) <laughs> you don't love Scarlet no I, I don't like Scarlet but I have got to admit I did let Scarlet win the bitch fight yeah so there's a brilliant there's a bit where which I assume is because of the sexist now where you are so there's a little bit later on in the game where oh yeah there's one thing we want to talk about actually the bit later on in the game where um, you are arrested the party is arrested uh, Cloud is it's when Cloud is, goes missing yeah and Barrett and Tifa are captured by Shinra who are going to execute them live on television. Oh, yes. Uh, to sort of say, look, we're going to satisfy the people and say, these are the people that have caused all the problems. We're going to sacrifice them live on television. And Tifa's strapped into like this gas chamber. And eventually she escapes and Sid comes to rescue you in the airship. But when you're like, you have to walk out onto like the wing of this, I can't remember what it is now, like a dock or something. Mm-hmm. And um, Scarlet follows you and you have to have a slap fight with her so you don't actually have like a proper fight it's like a timing thing where you've got to press X but to like attack basically bitch slapping each other and circle to dodge yeah and you have a bitch fight and Min just let Tifa get the shit kicked out of her <laughs> slap 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 bash straight over yeah. 
But one thing I was going to say actually was that in the game, <laughs> we talked about Emerald and Ruby weapons and Ultima weapon as well. Weapons are created by the planet. the planet and the idea is that they're created by the planet in order to protect it and those weapons go after uh, cities huge and cities and Mid- Midgar in particular yeah. and one of the weapons climbs out of the sea <gasps> and walks towards oh Midgar and honestly, listen, even now in 2021, mm-hmm. it was still kind of scary. It, you know what, it's terrifying. It's the way it walks and stuff and you've got to attack it to stop it yeah. and it's, it's pretty fucking... Heroin. I don't know what it was about that particular one because em, um, like Emerald was fine. No. In fact, you know what? Emerald, I'd say, was cute. And Ruby was the way it swims. Yeah, it because all... like Emerald is like under, under uh, sorry, underwater. Yeah, and he's not really trying to attack anyone. No. He's just like very happily like swimming. Like yeah, yeah, you leave it alone. And Ruby's the same. Ruby's like waiting under the sand near the golden saucer. But unless you approach it, unless it you anything. bang into it, it don't do anything. And like I said, Ruby is just like very casually swimming, like enjoying itself. And it's only when you ram into it then that it attacks. But that that um I can't remember was it Diamond Weapon? I think it was Diamond. Yeah. He he's he's terrifying. Yeah, he's got a really terrifying face and it's the way that he moves towards and yeah. that he's walking towards Midgar and you've got to stop him. Yeah. And intercept him and it, it's for some reason it's really creepy. And I yeah. just imagine what it would be like living in Midgar, looking and seeing this like because it is taller than Midgar. Yeah. This huge, horrible monster thing walking towards the city on its way to destroy it. There's another one as well that um, Ultima, uh, yeah. which flies around, and that one is a weakling. Yeah, that one's a pussy. Because like you hurt it, and it's like, eh, and it oh, flies away. away. I'm gonna run, run away. Yeah. Oh, too much. Ouch. I've been rumbled. <laughs> um, we didn't mention Rufus that much either. Rufus is a son of uh, the late President Shinra. Yeah, he's a bit of a douche. Yeah, in fact, he's a big douche. Yeah. Um, Even though you fancy him, he's a big douche. He's like, <laughs> he's uh, he's an angry orange head. Yeah. In, in, well, I think they toned it down later on, but he's like got bright orange head and he's more I think extreme than his dad he's like oh I'm going to rule with fear and all he cares about is like money and, and power and like his image and um, he turns into this like crazy guy who does not give a fuck about the people and yeah, everything yeah he, he really will just use them as pawns yeah but then I think by the end of it it's like oh shit we're in this predicament we're going to have to like try and get rid of it I guess yeah um, but yeah so aside from that I think I think well, we've covered everyone. One thing I want to cover very quickly is the ending. Okay. Yes. So the ending is like purposely ambiguous. So what happens in the end is that you beat Sephiroth, but Meteor is still hitting the planet. You find out at some point in the game that Ares was going to cast Holy. And even though she's dead, she her spirit, maybe it's not really made clear, is still there and casts Holy. I uh, thought she did it just in time. Because when she gets stabbed... Yeah. It falls off. Yeah, so she's got material in her hair, yeah. doesn't she? When she gets stabbed, the material falls off. So is that her casting it then? I think so. And it just takes that long to sort of prepare, or well, whatever it is. Court Hall is cast, cast by Ares, and the idea is Hall is going to counteract the meteor that's about to hit the planet. So they think. But this is where you went. You read some fan theories, didn't you, that were quite interesting. So I, I, I just of, read lots of stuff I want to have a quick it. conversation about it, because what actually happens is the meteor... So you have this, what at the time would have been... Even now look cool, but at the time would have been this amazing 3D cutscene. Mm. Um and Meteor is striking into the planet and Holy's cast to stop it but then Red 13 says Holy is having the opposite effect in that it's actually speeding it up Meteor is hitting Midgar isn't it yeah it's like it's speeding it up and then the live stream comes out of the planet and you assume works with Holy to destroy the Meteor and everything's saved and then it says like 500 years later and you see that Midgar has been reclaimed by nature 
yeah. by plants so and things like that. So you see like, like uh, remnants of uh, these broken down macroreactors. Yeah, and cities and stuff that have been covered in ivy and reclaimed by nature. And Red 13 is there with a couple of his cubs sort of like looking out over the wreckage. Now... But then you hear children laughing. Yeah, you see you hear children laughing as well. Yeah, now it's purposely ambiguous. Now, obviously, listen, I'll say now... We're playing through the entire compilation mm. and we're going to do a podcast for each one. So the, I imagine unless we finish something in the meantime, which we probably won't, our next episode will be Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, yeah. which will answer some of the questions, I guess. But um, At the time, though, there at the time, children. It could be that the humans were, are the humans all dead? Did they die in the meteor blast? You know, what, what was going on? Now, do you want to talk about the one that you read? Yeah, so um, so one, what I loved about it is you've, you've fought Sephiroth, yeah. uh, Holy's come, so you you expect a, a happy ending, right? But Cloud says to everyone, right, guys, um, we've done what we can. Just go home and be proud. Yeah, it's up uh, to the planet. The now, rest basically. is out of our hands. Yeah. And it's like that is really ballsy for you to have like a cast of heroes who are then powerless. Yeah, and it's kind of like set up to say no idea what's going to happen. They have no idea if they've yeah. done the right thing. They, they don't, don't know. really even save the day. They've stopped Sephiroth. But yeah, but... Sephiroth really wasn't the biggest issue. No, exactly. So it's kind of like, uh, you feel like it's already set up to be quite futile. Yeah, by the way, listen, I'm sorry if you can hear that. My cat, Maisie, is <laughs> climbing on my chest right now. I'm purring very loudly right near the microphone, so... I think it's probably because you mentioned Advent Children and she's like, oh, it's my time to shine. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Maisie's movie. Maybe, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, so so that's what Cloud says. And then when you see that cutscene, like, like you said, Red 13 is like shit holy is having the opposite effect yeah and from what i from what i understood from reading i don't think it was um aries intention for that to happen yeah i think they just thought that holy would sort it now here's the thing i read a fan theory saying that um the live stream is basically the um immune system of the planet yeah so it's like in the same way that like if you get caught yes your body rushes to form a scab and to deal with the pain yeah all that kind of stuff it doesn't you don't consciously go right come on the immune system kick in it just happens automatically. it just happens yeah so when um when meteor has been falling yeah it's it's, it's mentioned in uh, at some point in the game that holy decides what is best for the planet yeah so it's not that you can control holy aries can um can summon holy yeah. But what it does is not it's like it's, got a, it's got a mind of its own kind so, of thing. So, I guess because people are so um, self-centred and so righteous that they thought, well, people can't be the problem. Yeah, holy will it's, save holy us. Holy will save us because it's it's X, Y, and Z that are the problem. It's Meteor that's the problem. Whereas what Holy has decided is that the people, yeah. is particularly Midgar, who are like draining the life out of the planet, are the problem. They have to go. Therefore, Meteor, which has happened before because there's craters and stuff, it didn't wipe the planet out, did it? Yeah, it, it just, survived. It survived. It just made, like, a huge crater and wiped out that civilization. Yeah. That's the way to save the planet because those people won't be there to use yeah. the macro-reactors anymore. So that's why Holy was speeding up and working with Meteor because it decided, actually, it's you guys that are the problem. Yeah. But then Ares being, like, an, a descendant of the ancients who never actually go into the live stream, they kind of just linger on, Yeah. has then commanded the live stream, because she can do that, to save... Oh, Okay. To save the planet from Holy and Meteor. And that's why you see it rushing up and like trying to dissipate. The live stream yeah. stopping the process. Yeah. It's kind of depressing though, isn't it? That you think like the Sephiroth's the problem. It's Sephiroth or it's Genova or whatever. Or it's, pe- actually, yeah. it's actually, it's actually, no, it's the, the people. Yeah. It's Midgar. It's so the problem. It's kind of like a big revelation to say all this time, it's not being Shinra. Yeah. It's not being Sephiroth. It's not Meteor. It's you as a collective. Yeah. Who have... Uh, Sucking the planet dry. Yeah. And then... Um, I think the the bit at the end where you see Red Thirteen as well, 
um, sort of like running with little children and stuff is to say, look, they're, they're living with nature. That's how it should yeah, be. They live with the planet. They live with the planet and they're fine. That's what I read anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting idea. I mean, obviously, I can't, I don't, I haven't, I basically haven't seen Advent Children. We'll talk about that a bit more when we actually do the podcast. So I don't know. Now, obviously, what is confirmed or denied by Advent Children. At but the time, there was no Advent Children, so you sort of left to your own devices. There wasn't that Advent Children for a long time, was no, it? No, it's no, like no. 10 years, I think. Yeah, so uh, now we know that humans did survive, but back then you'd be like, did they, didn't they? You'd yeah. never see Cloud or the gang after, so you kind of just you kind of just presume that people got wiped out and that... It's really cool. I love yeah. endings like that because it was really ambiguous. It finished. When it, when the game finished, we had like a 45-minute conversation yeah. trying to figure out what we thought happened, even though you've played Advent Children, you've watched Advent Children and stuff, you know, so... What did you think happened when you first saw it? When I first saw it, I just assumed that Holy had worked with the live stream and they'd broken Meteor and saved the day. And that it was like 500 years into the future, humans have... 500 years is not that long. But that humans had sort of changed their ways and stopped using Mako because they realised it was damaging mm. the planet but I don't really know it's interesting though it's really interesting that it's got such an ambiguous ending um, yeah I mean I, I love that theory though because it's like it's kind of the whole you humans are shit yeah exactly how dare, yeah, well, how like, dare you think that you're yeah well it's like well, I think you said I think you made a point when we were talking about <laughs> it that like the the humans think that they understand the planet and what the planet and wants. And that they think that the responsibility of the planet, planet like, lies solely with them. Yeah, and, the, you know, obviously the planet is for them to live on. Yeah. And the, the Cetra, the ancients, also think that. Yes. Like they all think that they understand the planet, but the planet is, like, doesn't care. The planet just wants to keep itself going and survive. And it's, like, these things are, like, ticks. You know what? I, I mentioned this to you when we were playing it, but I hate how the Cetra or the Cetra, the ancients, were like, sort of, like put on a pedestal yeah because like all throughout you'll, you'll hear talk, people talking about them as if they had this boundful uh, you know knowledge and uh, the, all, all these powers that we can't c- grasp and they knew about the planet more than you did when actually no they didn't and yeah. it's quite the opposite it's like people think that they knew loads from the past and I think the, the ancients thought they knew what they were doing but In they fact, didn't no. because they're all no one did no you know, it's really cool that isn't it yeah um Right, is there anything else before um, we get into the quiz? I think you'd be happy that Sephiroth was actually like introduced. Yeah, well, Sephiroth, uh, yeah, Sephiroth was an actual good villain. Yeah. And I really liked that you saw him, like, there's a bit in the game, so Sephiroth, obviously the main villain, is the, the thing, the experimentation that's got Genova cells in it yeah. and all that kind of shit. Uh, the first time you, re- like, people mention him, but the first time you really see him is you get a flashback to Cloud, which turns out to be false, where Cloud has travelled to... Uh, Nibbleheim with Sephiroth mm. because there's a problem with the Nibble, Mount Nibble reactor yeah. um, and they go together and you see Sephiroth and at the time he's kind of reasonable and just like getting on with it but then he, when he's there he finds out things about himself by, through books by the yeah, way he, he, he finds a library in the Shinra mansion uh, which is in Nibbleheim and he ends up reading about what he is and why he is and that drives him crazy basically and that turns him into a monster and he's there throughout the game affecting it you know pushing things in the direction and stuff it's not just like in fucking Final Fantasy 4 or Final Fantasy 8 where it's like by the way guys now that you're in the game so here's the real baddie <laughs> you know yeah. now you've got obviously Genova and you can argue the real baddie overall along as human beings yeah. but you've got like Genova and stuff like that but Sephiroth is the focus and Sephiroth is the last boss I did really appreciate that and I just love how you just get shot up into space for no reason yeah, there's it's, also a bit where you get shot up in space because Final Fantasy loves doing that. Yeah, it's like lions in space. <laughs> lions, in space. <laughs> lions in space. Lions in space. Yeah, I. Um, 
but no, I think just overall, I I fucking loved it. I just like the little snippets that you get. Yeah. Well, we'll do our ending yeah. thoughts. What, do you want to do the quiz now? Yes. Right, so I've got a quiz. Okay. This is a trivia quiz, not a Metacritic, because you can imagine what Metacritic was like. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just people doing what we've done. <laughs> we should spend two hours and 20 minutes uh, gushing all over it. So instead, I found some interesting trivia that I did not know about Final Fantasy VII. Okay. So we'll see how much you know about the game being a, you know, a so-called, what you call yourself, a weeb. I'm not um, a weeb. And in terms of like being a, an ace oh, Final Fantasy God. fan. So... This is called FF... It's called Seventh Heaven or Seventh Hell. There you go. Okay. So is it true, Seventh Heaven, or is it false, Seventh Hell? Okay. okay. So this is five bits of trivia. I got them from imdb.com, and I think it was TV Tropes. Okay. Uh, and they're either true or false, okay? Seventh Heaven, Seventh Hell. Do you understand? I think so. <clears throat> Number one, Robert Patterson. Robert Patterson's favourite video game of all time is Final Fantasy VII. Is that Seventh Heaven or Seventh Hell? Who's that? Robert Pattinson is the guy from Twilight. Oh, yeah. Do you remember um, him? You showed me the clip of him yes, saying yes, he had yes, Twilight. Yes, yes, yeah, Sorry. Is, um, is he, uh, is his favourite video game of all time, is that Seventh Heaven or is that Seventh Hell? Heaven. Ding! That is true. Number two, Robert Pattinson's favourite character from Final Fantasy VII is Vincent. Is this all going to be about <laughs> Robert Pattinson? Can we do the quiz, please? Robert Pattinson's favourite character from Final Fantasy VII is Vincent. Is that FF, Is that Seventh false. Heaven? False. Why false? Because he, he did a vampire movie and he hated it. <laughs> Yeah, ding, that's true. Yeah, that is false. Two out of five. Okay, good. Number three, Robert Pattinson. (laughs) You know when you said IMDb, I was like, okay. Robert Pattinson has recently revealed to be joining the voice cast for FF7 Remake 2. It is heavily rumoured that he will be voicing Bugenhagen. False. (laughs) Why? Why would it be Bugenhagen? Yeah, that is. No, no, sorry, ding, no, that is true. That is false. That's seven fell here. Well done, three out of five so far. Number four. Robert Pattinson. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's the last. That's the last Robert Pattinson. Number four, Shinra, which is a play on the Japanese word for suck, come from the name of a company Hitachi used to work uh, works for in his first job as a young man in Japan. They produced automated vacuum cleaners. False. False. Why? Because it it doesn't mean suck. I can't remember what it means, but it's definitely not suck. Oh, so you do not know that. All right. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. You're right. That's false. That's false. All right. You got four out of five so far. Okay. <laughs> Number five, Robert Pattinson. No, I'm joking. Number five. So, do you remember before we get into the quiz that in the Chocobo racing side, in the Chocobo breeding side quest, when you get to the uh, final, you've got to race the Chocobos a certain number of times to breed them. Uh-huh. When you get to the S rank of Chocobo racers, there is a, an ace Chocobo racer. Do you remember what his name was? Is that the question? No, I'm asking you. Do you remember what his name was? The ace Chocobo racer. I can't remember his name. But I know who you want. Joe. Joe. Exactly. Okay. So, number five, ace Chocobo racer Joe is named after a cut character known as Hot-Blooded Detective Joe, who was the, the protagonist in an earlier version of the story in which the game was going to be set in New York. False. Eh, eh, really? That is true. Ding, ding, ding. When Joe. the game was first in development, yeah. it was going to be set in New York and it was going to be a detective story and the main character was going to be called Hot-Blooded Detective Joe. But obviously they rewrote the entire game and changed all that, but they kept Ace Chocobo Rider draws like a little I Easter bet egg. you're good about that. I know, I want to play as Hot-Blooded Detective yeah. Joe. I'm Hot-Blooded Bum Joe. <laughs> Hot <Hot-Bodded> Joe. <laughs> you know. Anyway, well done. You got four out of five. Uh, so I think you're in seventh heaven there, you know, yeah. or at least, you know, you're on you the know way. What? I feel like you, if, maybe if you didn't throw that many Robert Patterson ones in. <laughs> what can I say? He's heavily involved in the game. If you mention his name one more time, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. Uh, Robert Patterson. 
Oh! <laughs> Writing them off. Okay. So, closing thoughts then. Uh, absolutely adored it. Um, it was fun to play when we finished it and 100%ed it. I, I missed it. Like, our heart was hurting for another FF. Um, we loved it so much that we ended up getting a PS5 and I mean that says a lot yeah just because we want to play it we, what we're going to do listener is we're going to play through the entire compilation so we're going to play through Advent Children Dojo Cerberus Crisis Core and then I think that's all we can play isn't it because the other one was Japanese only yeah first before, crisis before, before crisis, crisis and then we're going to on June the 10th when Integrate is released on PS5 we're going to go str- jump straight into it replay the remake and then play U for DLC yeah uh, but I absolutely adore it I mean some characters are better than others um, we didn't even mention the music but the music in it yeah sorry like, I always feel bad about that the music is astonishing no though. honestly the, the it's our favourite Nobu Uematsu who is a fucking musical genius yeah, he's and brilliant the soundtrack and the fact that people still pay and we were going to do this actually they do like yeah. a symphonia like an, a, orchestra, an orchestral um, performance and people play to go and see it you know across the world you know because the music is that good um, unfortunately we didn't because it was just too risky with coronavirus and we were right not to yeah um, but it's absolutely amazing I mean not only is it beautiful but it just matches the environments yeah um the environments of the game like every place has some sort of personality yeah uh, you know you go to Wutai and it's very oriental and it has a specific feel to it you go to Costa del Sol definitely a tourist area um, you go to like the, the snowy bits or Midgar yeah. that's very industrial Cosmo Canyon Cosmo brilliant. Canyon you've got the uh, the coal mining place um you know, Coral, you've got Gongaga, yeah. which is completely different as well. Every little bit of it is just so thought out and yeah. it's beautiful. The only thing I wish they'd done is put more Moogles in it. <laughs> I think you only see Moogle as a summon yeah, and, and running around in the Golden Saucer at one point. Yeah. But that's it. So it's a bit of a letdown. The summons, depending on how you play it, are, you know... Well, they became very important later on in the game, but, but certainly for most of the game, it's just not, not it's worth not it. It's not worth it. Uh, and I think that's a bit of a letdown, but absolutely adored it best Sid that I've ever come across mm. apart from Oglop one um, and the story is just like you said relevant to this day yeah um, a lot of husbandus and wife waifus in it yeah um, just so deep I love how it gets you thinking um, the bitches aren't you know they could be better <laughs> you could say women but you know <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could call them women um Don Conio is a brilliant character. His theme song as well, by the way, is absolutely yeah. fucking hilarious. He's good. I used to work in a, a game shop before and we, I used to play it on the <laughs> just for the lulls. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the mini games were a bit shite. A lot, very shite. They're actually, you know, they were very shite. Um, but it's such a pleasure to come mm. through and play with you and I miss it. And Did I'd play it all over again. I, I still miss it now. Like, we finished it, I think we finished it on what, like, Wednesday or Thursday I think yeah uh, no 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 it wasn't it was Tuesday or Wednesday and I still I still miss it I want to play it again um, I I like I said I went into it thinking it was okay and I came out of it thinking that it might be my favourite Final Fantasy uh, we re- listen we are also replaying Final Fantasy 10 at the moment and I'm going to see when that finishes how I think it compares but right now they're on par like I really did love it that much and I think what, what it elevates above pretty much every other Final Fantasy for me is the writing is so good I mean we reviewed 8 and I think if I'd played this to this extent first and then gone back and done 8 I can understand why people who followed up 7 with 8 were disappointed by it yeah. if I was born at I mean I was alive at the time but if I was like you know, I was uh, quite young. Age, if I was like this age now, and then, and I'd gone from Final Fantasy VII to Final Fantasy VIII, it would be a letdown because it's just not on the same level. No. And that's because the writing in this game is so amazing. And one thing we didn't talk about that I just want to cover very quickly because I think it kind of 
is an example of this. So Barrett, you know, when you meet Barrett, he's got a gun arm, right? Mm. You know, his, his arm, his hand is missing and he's got like a machine gun. And what we find out later on that um, he worked in this mining town and he was like working in this mine and Shinra came and put a reactor there and then the reactor exploded, I think, or something happened. Something, I can't, I can't Some remember. kind of disaster yeah. happened in Coral and almost everyone died. And Barrett and his friend Dino, they uh, are... Barrett's holding Dino um, and saying, you know, trying to rescue him as he's fallen off a cliff and someone shoots their hand and he lets go and, and both of their hands are destroyed, which is why Barrett has a gun arm on. And that Marlene is not actually Barrett's daughter, it's the daughter of this guy, Dino. Mm. So so Barrett took Marlene and, and kept her safe. Um, and eventually you run, you find Dino again and Dino doesn't realise that his daughter survived. He thinks his wife and daughter are dead and he's kind of become this mad madman. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and Barrett says... But Dino, you know, Marlene is still alive. You can rescue her. And Dino says, I can't, I can't, I can't ever carry her again because yeah. my hands are too, basically, like my hands are too stained in blood to, to carry her. And Barrett says, but well, my hands aren't any cleaner. Well, he says that, well, he, he lets go and dies. Yeah. Because he, he basically entrusts um, Marlene to Barrett. Yeah. And he says, you, you just, you know, I trust you to keep her safe. And as he dies, um, Barrett says, I've got no right to hold Marlene either. My hands are just as stained. Yeah. And it's really it's brutal and when you first see Barrett and you see the gun arm you think it's just cool design but it's because he lost his hand and decided that the rest of his life was going to be about revenge yeah. so he had a gun strapped to his arm and when you look at it like that it's quite sad and he's quite gruff and he can be a bit rude at times but I f- he's he's a brilliant character because well, you can tell he's a softie yeah exactly but well, that's what I'm saying the writing like that, just that moment that's not even a big part of the game in no. fact you cut that out of the game and the game would still make sense and everything but it's just so well written the game is excellently written and not just that but the material system I absolutely loved I loved the world like we were talking about yesterday about why Final Fantasy 13 and 15 aren't as good it's because the worlds just feel really superficial yeah. like Final Fantasy 7 and I think anyway Final Fantasy 10 the worlds feel lived in they feel real you know they feel distinct and I just think it just it is just excellent as a result of that yeah uh, I just think it's brilliant and I think it deserves the hype and I can understand why now and it, I really can't wait to go back and play remake again and to see what else there is you know I can't what, wait. <laughs> what's going to come next year with ever crisis and all that but anyway we've talked for almost two and a half hours <laughs> this is definitely going to be the longest podcast we've ever done wow if you've got to this point congratulations if you have skipped forward to this point totally understand because what we're here to do is to, is to hear Jerry 2's opinion okay we've talked for a long time Jerry 2 we've made our case to you that's the important bit but it really no one gives a fuck about me and you we care about Jerry 2 okay so Jerry 2 what is your opinion on Final Fantasy 7 You know what, Jerry Two? I couldn't agree more with you. You know, it was it was that good. Jerry Two really did like it, and also there were cats in it occasionally as well, so that really elevated it for Jerry Two. Yeah, and he really liked uh, Kate Sith and and uh, Red Thirteen. Yeah, he did. He did really like Kate Sith, Kate Sith and Red Thirteen, and I think he has been really influenced by this game. He liked Rufus's little cat thing. That's yeah, but well. I don't know if you've noticed this, right? But recently, whenever we've been trying to watch TV or anything like that, he's been trying to jump in front of the TV and distract us because I think he's trying to get us to turn it off because we're sucking the lifeblood of the planet. <laughs> You know, he's been trying to stop us from doing all that kind of shit. You know, I'm trying to stop us with electronics. Like, I've been on my phone and he'll climb underneath my arm to get in front of me and start headbutting me till yeah. I drop my phone, you know, to try and stop me from using it because he's trying to get us to save the planet. You know, he's becoming an, an eco terrorist, I think. You know, <laughs> uh, and that, that's what I think anyway. You know, I, I don't know about you. In fact, you know what? Um, I think Maisie was. Uh 
doing something near the, the plugs and he got really angry and like tried to try to attack her but she gave him a, a reverse black eye yeah she, but, <laughs> she did he has got a reverse black eye at the moment but you um, know so yeah um, thank you for listening We our plans are that we are planning to do the entire compilation mm-hmm. uh, Final Fantasy 7 before June the 10th because we want to do it before the remake comes out so we're going to do uh, Advent Children probably next podcast depending and then Dirge of Cerberus and then Crisis Core and I think that is that it? I think that's it uh, we'll have a look and then and then Final Fantasy 7 Remix so if you like Final Fantasy 7 you're in for a treat because we're going to be talking about it a lot or more, <laughs> even more so than we have already if you don't like Final Fantasy then you know fuck off you know you're going to have to go to a different podcast for a bit because uh, that's going to be the, the flavour of the month we are playing other games as well but yeah um, is there anything you want to say before we wrap up? no no? Okay, well, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to contact the show for anything, any reason at all, contact us at jerry2podcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at jerry2podcast or on Instagram at jerry2podcast, yeah? Uh-huh. Uh, where you can see Jerry2 doing very little because he's got bored of Instagram now. <laughs> but, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, follow us there. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. And make sure you learn how to use your balls. Make sure you learn how to use your balls correctly, I think is the right word. Uh, and on that note, good balls, everybody. <laughs>